All right, guys. We're going to be in for a long one. Get your game face on. Yeah, it's time for us to do the most most professional episode of Commander Cast we could possibly get out there. No slacking. We're going to cut the dangle bits down to a minimum. We're going to make sure we get all the information we got. You got the show notes, Clay? Yep. Everybody got their cards ready? Uh, Yep. We know what the topics are, right? Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go ahead. Let's do this. screwed over today because of that. And technology. So, I think that we're, we got a little Commander Cast connection there. Hey. Tenuous. Hey. Tenuous at well, best. CommanderCast.com Hello everyone and welcome to CommanderCast episode 221 for your weekly source for community, strategy, and technology, hosted on mtgcast.com and our home site, commandercast.com. We're recording this on October 15th, 2015. I'm your host of the show, William, and joining me as always is my perennial co-host, Calvin. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, everybody. It's Calvin. I'm also known as Captain Reginald on my internet. For any of you individuals out there who don't know that already, uh, blah, blah, blah. What, what episode is this? 221? Yeah. We got we're, ah, one episode away from the Terrible Twos. Yes, I wasn't even paying attention to what William was talking about a moment ago, because I'm busy playing Hearthstone, because apparently that's a thing that Magic players do. Except for me, I play Weiss. Man, another one bites the dust. <laughs> See, I can't get behind Hearthstone. Like, I, It's the same reason why I can't really get into Force of Will as much as I'd like to, despite the fact that it looks kind of cool. I like having creatures on board. So, Mark's also here with us. I am. Good evening, folks. And returning from the vast musical hallways of whatever he was doing for concert-wise. Clay! Hey! So you had, like, what, two concerts in a row? Um, two weeks ago, there, well, yes. Just lots of concerts over the past two weeks. Um, that was actually pretty nice, by the way. I saw the, uh, I think, I think Mallory posted the video of it up to Facebook? Yeah. Yep, that wasn't half bad, actually. Thanks. I wrote it. Ooh, nice. That was even better. <laughs> Alright, so we also have returning special guest Dan with us tonight. Hey guys, how's it going? It's going pretty good. So, we were going to do something with Jacob, aka Wafflecone, aka one of our admins on Facebook, slash the admin on Reddit, aka the guy who's been posting some really great, if cards were honest stuff on his Twitter account. I was actually really looking forward to talking today, but hopefully next week we'll be able to have Jacob back on. And we're going to do a... Uh, Deck Doctor's Hospital next week for his brother's Esper deck, uh, themed around Borg, and that's literally all I know about it. So next week on Deck Doctor's Hospital. (laughs) 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 See, I was always more of a Scrubs fan than General Hospital. I don't. Those are two completely different shows, man. Like one is like sitcom, the other is like horrible. I don't know, horrible daily soap opera. And why do you think I preferred Scrubs? Just saying. Actually, if I was going to choose a hospital show, Children's Hospital uh, would be my favorite. So. I don't think I've ever heard of that. Oh my God, you need to watch that. <laughs> it was on. Oh my God, it was on Adult Swim. Oh boy, it's good stuff. So what are you saying, Calvin? So here's a question: Did we really actually need to like tell the listeners about what we were doing next week with Jake? Uh, just to act. 
I mean, that's something that, you know, could have just been like, you know, we could just shut the fuck up, just went on about our day and kind of pretend like that wasn't what was going to happen. Because nobody knew. like plans didn't go awry. Nobody knew. It's not like we announced it. Mm -hmm. No, William just had to go out there and run his mouth. Everybody knows. Fine, cut it if you want. (laughs) Save it for some dangles. Cut that shit. I mean, we all... What would be the point of putting it in dangles? Because I'm cutting it because I want want them to hear it. (laughs) Well, we already (laughs) sidetracked you to a, a debate between General Hospital and Scrubs. Oh, don't forget Veterinarian's Hospital from the Muppets, because that one's my favorite. Oh, true. <laughs> yeah, classic. Yeah. I keep forgetting that the Muppets are on uh, the Hulu website. I can actually watch that now. I've got terrible news for you. What? It's not that good. And this is coming from a diehard Muppet fan. Well, see, I, it's fun. It's fun as a Muppet fan, but it's if if you're not willing to be in on the gag, like, look, it's the Muppets doing The Office... It's it's not going to be fun, but it's got good Muppet stuff in it. But see, I actually like the, uh, the the Office camera art that the cam that the Office did. Like, I would actually have watched Parks of Recreation if I actually had time to sit down and just watch silly sitcom stuff. I, I wish there was a little bit more to it. It's it's again, it's not bad. It's Muppets doing something they've never done before, which is great. Um, but it just it just it feels just a little hollow. Is that a clown face on her stomach? Yeah. Yeah. You're looking at uh, Children's Hospital? Nope. I am noping the fuck out of there. So let's go ahead and, and go to our favorite <laughs> commanders this week. Calvin, who's your favorite commander this week? Uh, My favorite commander? I have none. Really? Not, e- not, e- not even one you might have seen today? No, I'm actually going through Facebook on Twitter now to find that one. I can't remember the name of it. Was it's it like Kalima? Yeah. I'm Kalima! Sorry. No, I'm dead serious. That's what I read it when I... That's how... <laughs> <laughs> that would be so awesome if it was. K A L E M N N E. Kali Mon. I'm sorry. Kali-ma. All I hear is Kali. All I'm I'm seeing Kali. I'm seeing Kali Mon. If you want to talk so, about Kali, I'll talk about Kali all night. But come on. Nah, I'm good. I don't want to talk about Kali. Uh, how, how do we say this name? <laughs> hold on. Kalimna. Uh, hold on. Uh, let me let me find it again. Uh, this there we go. Fantasy names. Kalimni. Calamity? Calamity. Oh, calamity. 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 Gotcha. Yeah, calamity. Calamity. All right. Well, I'll go with, I'll go with calamity, disciple of Iros. It's nice to see that somebody else enjoys the God of Lift as much as I do. <laughs> and quite frankly, for any of you listeners out there that don't know, it's basically a new commander that's apparently been spoiled for the upcoming commander product that we'll be getting next month. Yep. It's a Boros version. It's a giant soldier, two colors, red, white, three, three, and has two of my favorite abilities on it. One of them is double strike and the other one is vigilant. And then it has a brick of text of ability that I look at and it's like, ah, that's probably not really going to matter in my Boros deck. But the idea that I have a four mana basic, basically a four mana six three with vigilance is pretty cool. So makes up for the fact that we had Munda. Oh yeah, Munda, much better than Munda. In fact, like I saw this and I was like, you know what? I can forgive them for Munda because if I had the choice between M- this or Munda being the card that was going to be in that deck, I'm so glad Munda's in standard as opposed to this. So I'm not gonna lie, I misread this card several times. So, what was it? Kalemna? Kalemni. Kalemni. There we go. Kalemni. 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 Okay. So, she has, whenever you cast a creature spell with converted mana cost 5 or greater, you get an experience counter. Kalemni, the disciple of Arose, gets 1-1 for each experience counter you have. 
I made the mistake. So keep in mind that I saw this when I like first got up in the morning. And I see that like a couple of people have messaged me on Twitter, Twitter with this, which thank you, people. Um, yeah, it's not she's getting ca- experience counters. It's you, the player, are getting experience counters. You know, kind of like how they did poison counters. So yeah. she's out there. You you cast some big creatures and you get permanent experience counters, and then you replay her, and she just is that much bigger. Mm-hmm. So hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm looking at the mythic spoiler page for Kalemni, and people are completely missing the joke that someone was just like, seems good in EDH. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And people just took it way too seriously. Yeah. But see, I like this other quote that says "death by snoo snoo" because I also <laughs> <laughs> I get that. because I completely missed the I fact that she was an actual giant. Like it's, yeah. like, it's like, oh, she's just a really like, big soldier. Oh, no, she, no, no, she is literally just a giant soldier. She's perfect for giant tribal, if you don't want to play Breon. And so you can actually put Breon into the Kalemni deck, because then he flings all the big stuff that you want to play. And doesn't he trigger her? Uh, What's his CMC? No, no, he, his CMC is four. His CMC is four? Aurelia triggers her, though, which means, which means that she gets in for... She becomes an eight or essentially, so she gets in for sixteen that that one turn. That's a lot. Like that's two hit territory right there. That's a lot of numbers. That is a lot. That is, those are not small numbers. Okay, so we've got Calvin's new one, and as we all know, Calvin's doing the Boros deck. Yeah, so. and I'm so happy that this is the card. I yeah, you you have no idea. I really want to see this deck now because. Now that I'm looking at it, if they're actually building the deck around this particular commander, which they normally do because it's the one on the front, that means I actually have a Boros deck that's based on cards of a converted mana cost higher than four. <laughs> All right. So, Mark, who you got? Uh, I'm going to stick with Magetta the Lion this week as we are doing my Mono White Reanimator deck anyway. Spoilers. Spoilers. All right. So, Clay, who you got? I mean, it might be the same as the last couple times I was on here, but Tassiger's been doing really, really well. Well, you also weren't on the cu- last couple of times we recorded, so I'm going to call this valid. Don't um, I, I put the new Opnixilis into the deck. First ha- game, I got to ult him, and that game was over very, very fast. Wait, you ulted the new Op? Yes. Because my deck is very good at making sure you don't have creatures and that your removal spells don't resolve. So Ob just ticks up, sometimes kills a creature, and then ends up killing you. Um, there was another game later where what I ended up doing all in the same turn was ult up Nixilis, um, make 10 mana total, cast Upheaval, which yes is banned in traditional multiplayer but not in French list. So everything bounced up. With one of the floating mana, I recast Tassier. With three more, I cast uh, Phyrexian Arena. So they were on a two-turn clock immediately, and it was great. Wow. <laughs> Alright, so, Dan Dan, who's your favorite commander? Well, uh, you know, I had a commander, and then you guys were making drama jokes about Kalemni, so um, I changed my mind. I'm gonna go with Zap Brannigan, uh, Odric Master Tactician, and possibly <laughs> Norrin the Wary um, for Fry, um, as my choices for commander. Alright then, I'll accept it. I actually need to finish the drama. Death by Snooze. Oh, such, a, such a great episode. Oh, God, you're killing me. Oh, God, you're killing me. <laughs> uh, the soul is willing, but the flesh is spongy and weak. Uh, it's spongy and bruised. Ah, you're right. It's been a while since I've seen that one up. Okay. 
So, my command of the week actually is Kalia. So, Ew. well, last week, there were <clears throat> I was telling you guys about the uh, the guy in my game store who actually just wanted to fight Kalia. So, <laughs> I br- so, I brought Kalia, and I got Kalia out on turn two. And on turn three, she was swinging a sword of fire nice. The only downside was that I didn't have anything to flash in with her ability for, like, three turns straight. Ew. Oh, I dug so hard. Ew. The only, uh, the only snafu in that plan was that I had singled out a player to just relentlessly attack. Because you don't let, you don't leave the Azami deck alone. You just don't. <laughs> but in doing so, I had complete blinder vision on, and I actually left the guy unchecked. The original guy who actually wanted to fight Kalia. So he got the win with his Carador deck for the first time ever. And, hey. but it was also hey. like this completely wide-eyed, I, I get to do stuff. Nobody's gonna remove my stuff. Also, a Maria Shepherd, as disgusting as we thought it was, especially in a Carador deck. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, who didn't see that coming? Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it might even make it into a bit of tech later. Yeah. <sighs> wow. Oh, wow. Also, fought a Tromocratus deck that was playing, <laughs> that was playing the aforementioned Dan Dan. I, couldn't deal with Dan Dan. Like, I literally had to say, I don't have a way to deal with Dan Dan. Part of that might be because it had a sort of fire and ice and I was playing the Sova, but at the same time, I've been I... playing too much Dragon I've been watching too much Dragon Ball Z because I kept hearing, he just, I just kept hearing him say that had nothing to do with, no, I'm dealing with a Dan Dan. Nope, it's a Dan Dan. There's a link to it in the chat. Ooh, it's modern legal. Ooh, actually, Dan Dan. So, congrats to you, Beck. I couldn't deal with your Dan Dan. Okay, so, I am looking at this thing right now that says, Banning the Whales Pulled ends October 21st, 2015. <sighs> Which, by my calculations, and looking at a fancy pull-up calendar, means that that will be the Wednesday after this episode comes out on Commander Cast Prime. Where you can catch all sorts of other fantastic episodes. Commander Cast Prime comes out on Monday, so if you're hearing this, you have two more days to ban those whales. Tuesday, you get Deck Builder Spotlight with Mark, and, um, still expensive. I actually didn't get to resolve the technical issues with Journey to Somewhere just yet, what with me spending the weekend in Illinois and all that. Wednesday, we got our strategy segment where maybe we'll have a future podcast. Go ahead and keep your ears to the ground for that. Thursday, it's a free-for-all article segment. If you want to go ahead and submit something, this is where we're going to put it. It also rotates with Rivals Duel and The Stack with Uncle Landrops and Grandpa Grove. Fridays are a technology segment, and hey, you know what? Those guys from Squirecast are getting ready to, c- to celebrate their anniversary. Not like an episode milestone like what we had uh, 20-something episodes ago, but you know, just a whole year of act- of producing content, which I think is awesome, and Matt actually asked me to join him for that, so I'm looking forward to that. Hey. Yep, so I think that, see, I think he said he's, they're going to record it, not this weekend, but, the, but next weekend, so... It's gonna be. Do we have what episode would that actually be? So like, what 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 episode are they on now? It's a good question. I am looking, and ooh, Rivals Duel went up today. Day that we are recording this, which means that you, the listeners, will have Rivals Duel to look for. Okay, so Squirecast episode thirty nine was the one that went up October fifth. So do 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 do. Okay, it'll be a few weeks regardless. Don't worry, I'll, I'll mention the exact number when we do it. Way to go, Squirecast. That's impressive as all heck. Yeah, because during the, a couple of the editing problems they had originally, what with Matt trying to do, like, the job he didn't enjoy, and then this, and now he has a job that he likes, but he doesn't have a lot else to do, so now he's editing again, and so awesome. All right, so, 
you want to join head, join in the discussion, let us know what you think, go ahead and head over to our Reddit forums, where we go ahead and we start the discussions, and Jake has been doing a fantastic job staying up to date on posting the topics and the show, the show links and all that. So, fantastic job by Waffle Cone. We'll look forward to talking to you next week, buddy. Uh, let's see, banner poll. Uh, so, speaking of polls ending this month, I think I'll, I'll end the Commander Cast banner poll. Uh, let's see, October, we'll just say Halloween. We'll say you have until Halloween to go ahead and put cash your voting if you haven't already. Uh, let's see, Emma and Rexiel still neck and neck, Colleen and Karn, yep, looks about right. <clears throat> Alright. So- play, play, huh? Hmm? Hey, play. What? I voted for Yes! Woo! Yes! <laughs> Good. Oh. Always vote for Ixador. Never vote for Ixador. Always vote for Ixador. But Ixador? Why would you ever not vote for Ixador? Because Ixador. It's amazing. I just bought a new Morph Wizard for my deck. Okay, maybe not a new one, but a new one for the deck. All, All right. right, don't do it. All right, so we're uh, we're ready to go ahead and go into our community segment because we've been recording for a little bit now. Trying to keep us on track. We're going to go into a free-for-all roundtable talking about the Eldrazi Revisited. You know, they were pretty in Modern Masters 2. And, of course, the big one, Battle for Zendikar. Are these ones going to for EH? How they affecting the scene? Are they enough for a commander deck? I actually do have some thoughts on that. So stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. Yay! Stuff, thing, dangles, food, and Exodor. Uh, I need to finish these noodles before they get cold. Did you say it's a great radio? Oh, <laughs> both. I mean, when they're old, they get cold, right? Ooh, do they get cold before they get old, or do they get old before they get cold? Oh fuck! Sorry, I just channeled some like some old shit. My bad. Welcome to Philosophy Cast, where we tell you Ooh. where the chicken came first or the egg came first. Oh, I was gonna say, welcome to Stoner Cast. <laughs> See, clearly the egg came first because you have breakfast before you have lunch. But what if you have like a a, a chicken sandwich for breakfast? What if you have chicken for breakfast? The egg still came before the chicken. <sighs> Who eats chicken sandwiches for breakfast? Hey, hey, hey! Don't, don't judge me, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of people that I know that would be born and willing to eat chicken in the morning. You raise the bath. What? <laughs> I actually had a chicken salad sandwich for breakfast at 10 in the morning about a week ago. Uh, we're not here to judge you. I can hear the judgment in your voice. <laughs> no, that's fair. Yeah, I was judging yeah, that, yeah. So, for our round community segment today, we are going to go ahead and talk about, you know, kind of our impressions of the Eldrazi so far. You know, it's been a couple of weeks since the pre-release. We've, got, we've all gotten our hands on them. I actually managed to get my two copies of Olong, so I have the one for my deck and the one that's going into my fireproof safe for eventual rebuilding. So, gentlemen, what are your thoughts on Eldrazi to begin with? Because what we're essentially dealing with Hith are... Let's, let's, let's ignore the, the void Eldrazi real quick. Let's look at the fact that we have a lot of brand new colorless beaters that can go in literally any deck. Uh, nobody has anything they want to say? Oh, I thought you were going, man. No, it's not me. I don't have anything to say about the new Eldrazi. You know why? Because unlike William's original statement, I still haven't touched him. I've spent the last few weeks basically, uh, well, I'm, well, I didn't want to really, like, put this out on the podcast. I've been going through a somewhat of a difficult time around my house, which involved me doing a lot of ex, a lot of extra moving and stuff. 
Most of it's depressing. Most of it the listeners don't really need to know about because most of it doesn't really matter. Sorry, you're going but, to tough time. Eh, it's life. It happens. I mean, it's fine because I look, I, I try to be optimistic about life. Do I go through tough times? Yes. Am I starving in the street dead? No, I'm actually sitting in a room with internet access and a cell phone that I can still be able to communicate with people who are talking about something. So I can't really complain because I could be in far worse condition than I am currently. I mean, things can always be worse, and it's important to have that sort of perspective on your situation. But at the same time, that doesn't make your situation enjoyable. Right. But this makes my situation enjoyable because I get to do something I'm actually enjoying. So... Because of my current situation, I haven't had a chance to really touch any Eldrazi. Haven't had a chance to go any shops or pick up any packs. I haven't even cracked a new pack yet. Can't remember the yeah, last time I've actually touched. I can't even remember the last time I touched a magic card outside of uh last week when we were going through some of the things. And probably in the next few minutes when I go dig my deck up. All right. So, Mark, Eldrazi. I don't know, man. They're kind of lackluster. I, you know, I mean, to be honest, I like the ones, the coolest one I've seen, I guess, is just Breaker of Armies, because that's such a fucking metal name for a card. Like, I keep forgetting it's an Eldrazi, and I saw it in somebody's list recently, and I'm like, Breaker of Armies? Holy fuck, like, I could almost hear, like, the speed metal guitar riffs in the background. It's just so badass. Um, But yeah, that's about all I have to say for it, really. <laughs> like, I'm the same boat as Calvin. I haven't played with any of them recently, but to be honest, I haven't even thought of picking anyone up except for maybe the new Ulamog, but even then I'm just like eh, if I get him, I get him. You know, like if I happen to break him open in a pack, I'm not going to trade him, but I don't know if I'm going to actively go after him. I don't know. Mm. Alright, yeah. right, so we haven't heard from Clay in a while. In a long while. <laughs> I'm I'm still here. Um, I haven't actually played with many of them either. <laughs> Okay, okay, hold on. Okay, hold on. I'm going to stop you there. Who's actually had... <laughs> I, I have seen them played with, but I have not actually played with <laughs> Okay, so who the hell in this podcast has actually played with the new Eldrazi? Besides me. Besides me. Dan? <laughs> maybe, no, I... I haven't been able to pick anything up. I was gonna pick up a fat pack a couple or the other week. Just the point where even if Dan did touch him, I want him to completely deny, deny Dan, deny. <laughs> I tried, but I can't. No, you can't find fat packs anywhere, and I need that land. I need that sweet, sweet land. Is well, he... if it's any consolation, both of the Gatewatch fat packs will also have full art basics. Oh, okay. I guess yeah. I can. I guess I can wait for my local target to fill back up. It usually takes like a week or two after like a big release. Like you can't find the commander decks there when they come out, and then two weeks later, they they, they you could literally build a fort inside okay. the aisles. Let's see. Here's your, here's your problem. The commander decks were print on demand. The fat packs are one and done. Like I can't I can't imagine Target would uh not have enough to restock a store. Um eh, not get release. With Zendikar? Like I mean this was literally the thing that like my roommate ordered three copies of so that he would have three land bricks so that he could like get all full arts for his cube and get like all full arts for his draft deck so that he never actually go had to go to the land station and stuff, so God, what have I done? I should have pre-ordered. <laughs> and that now Clues has gotten them all. <laughs> okay, so apparently I'm the only one who's actually played with the new Eldrazi. Uh, partly because we actually just have enough actually colorless Eldrazi to fill out that Eldrazi travel deck that I wanted to make. And I gotta say, it's a pretty good feeling to know that like 20, at least a fifth of my deck came from this set alone. <laughs> 
<laughs> on the downside of that, though, I am because I am still playing like every Eldrazi. It does. It means that I still have to play like some of these slightly lesser ones. Like, let me go ahead and pull up the visual spoiler so I can take a look. Because I remember I wasn't that excited by the guy who processes and gains life. For for example, and like the processors are really cool, though. The processors are really cool, and we talked about before how like if you get any of the uh, recurable ones, like the ones that just say like pay a cost and process, and you can do that as long as you can process something, it just goes infinite with Rexial. Yeah. Yeah, but like stuff like Endless One and Desolation Twin are really cool, but they're also just really big beaters. Which don't get me wrong, I love me some big beaters, but at the same time. You kind of need something more than just big stupid beaters for ten mana. Like, what about what about Bane of Balagad? Have you Bane? played that one? No? <laughs> oh yeah, that one I've been seeing play because because um, I'm playing Colas Eldrazi with Ulamog as my commander. Mm. I've got a guy in my at the store who's playing five color Eldrazi with Progenitus as the commander. <laughs> and, of course. <laughs> and his justification is that Progenitus ate all the color, so that's why he's so expensive and all the. Uh, the void car- cards actually aren't colorless. So I've actually, so I've actually had a chance to see a lot of different Eldrazi, and I thank him for that. But no, the Bane of Ball again has been has been awesome, and Ulamog has been absolutely brutal. Like I'm, I'm starting to see him in more and more decks because not just because he exiles two things when he's cast, but that mill twenty is really, really stupid. It's literally exile twenty. Yeah, like that thing, that that effect is just too. I've actually seen people lose to that. Yeah, like. That is just stupid. So let's go ahead and and talk about the the real point here, Dan. So I can't really speak too much about the new Eldrazi because, uh, like everybody else here, but you will, I haven't actually had a chance to put my hands on play them. But I know, speaking from previous Eldrazi experience, I've never in my meta had to deal with the Titans. So I know the internet just jumps on them. And it's like you have to have it in this deck, and it's. You know, you have to have ways to deal with them, but, like, I, I never had to deal with, like, the, the baddest of the bad Eldrazi, uh, mostly because nobody in my playgroups wants to spend that much money on a card. Um, so I've never had to deal with, like, the overpoweredness of, like, Eldrazi other than the ones that you, 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 you see in, like, the Commander 2014 pack and the stuff that came out with, um, you know, Rise of Eldrazi. Um, so I've never, I've never had to deal with, like, that kind of, like, meta-shifting hard for so uh i i was wondering what your guys experiences has been with the old eldrazi given that we haven't really had any experience with new ones if you guys feel one way or another towards like the giant beat stick and huge mana cost creatures that can warp the game ah ulamog's down to 16 well i think my experience with the previous ones at least have always just been like oh people have kozilek because he draws extra cards for a crap ton of mana also he's really big um like, the only ones that I've actually seen played, personally, are Kozilek and Ulamog, of course, and then Artisan of Kozilek, just because it reanimates something. Yeah, that's what you almost never see anything smaller than that, just because they're not good enough. No, If That Betrays is definitely one that I see quite a bit, especially in any sort of black deck that wants to run Grave Pact or Dictator of Erebos. Fair. I mean, yes, there is the mono green neck that'll run if that betrays and then go, uh, uh, all's dust. There you go. And everyone just goes, huh. You could put that in any deck. You could. You literally could. But the green deck gets it out so much faster. True. Unless you're playing the blue precon deck from last year. (laughs) That precon, though. Sorry, Mike. 
Oh, I was just about to say, I mean, I don't I don't see the Titans as much, although I am the dick who plays like old school Ulamog. Um but, like play him in my my Cthulhu themed like Kraken and uh whale deck. So I think it fits there. So. Oh hold on, hold on. Why are there whales in it? Um, because Colossal Whale is the bomb, man. No. I dig that dude. Hey, Great Whale isn't in there, you know? So all we right. ban that whale. All right. We can't ban all the whales, man. Come on, Colossal Whale's pretty sweet. So um, but, but Colossal Whale isn't proportional to what its stats should be. It's true. It's not that, only five, five. that That is true. You're right. I prefer to think that maybe he's colossal, just not, like, magical. Because, like, okay, yeah, like, a whale is a big deal. But then you I have, like, a huge Where is the Colossal thing. Whale from? Like, Wasn't he from one of the core sets? I want to say he was, like, M13. Uh, I believe or M14? so. M14? He was from one of the core sets. Alright, so, so, Will, what was the, um... Uh, you you're a flavor guy. What's that one plane that's like extremely small? Uh, are we talking about <laughs> chandelier? No, no, like I don't big, think it was big chandelier. Um, in the plane chase, they actually had like a a plane that's basically like the size of like a fucking marble or something like that. Yeah, it's wicked lame, man. I forget I forget what plane it was, but it's like a plane that most we don't get a chance to visit that much because all of our characters are way too fucking big to go there. Are you talking about the marble in Men in Black? No, no, no. Actually, no. Con- continue this conversation. I'm going to go look it up. Okay. I, like, think, I, it's, I think it's like the, Minot- Met- the Metatron or something like that. That sounds... That's the voice of God. Reasonable? No. Who is sometimes played by Alan Meta- No, that's Le Metatron with an L. No, oh, that's the Metatron. Wouldn't so Lil Metatron just be like the French version of Metatron? Maybe, it's just, maybe God's voice just speaks <laughs> in French. <laughs> Yeah, I had to go through four items before they figured that one out. <laughs> all right. So. But we've completely lost all kinds of, like, discussions as far as Eldrazi is because <laughs> William decided to pick a topic that none of us have any type of preparation for whatsoever. This was in the email thread! <laughs> hey, technically, I picked the topic. We'll just agree to it. So, Mark, pick the topic. I assume... Okay, so... So, hold on a second. Mark, you picked a topic involving something that you didn't even yourself get involved in. You picked the topic... Hey, I threw it out there, man. You know, I figured other people had. Come on. Okay, but guys, guys, guys. Guys, we still have awesome, kick-ass Eldrazi that came out of the set. Stuff like Void Winner. Oblivion Sword. I, the, I've actually seen <laughs> the Void Winner in action a, a few times. And ha, do you realize how difficult it is to even? Part. Like, there are so many things you don't even realize you could you could even, but you can't anymore. Like, you can't... That way, I'm just scratching for jokes. I think this topic is done and over with. No, 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 no. I am being we're dead be moving serious on to here. Our next, we're moving on to our no, next... No, I am being legit serious here. Like, I, you completely forget that this thing says car, creatures with converted mana costs, eat with even converted mana costs can't block. You completely forget that tokens have an even mana cost. But well, hold on, we we can still save the topic, with, even though none of us have any playing experience with the new Eldrazi. We can answer the the more ethereal, you know, existential question: Is our Eldrazi good for commander? Is having these like enormous creatures with game shattering effects available to all colors a good thing, a bad thing, or just a thing? Thank you, Dan. That's where I was trying to get this going. Dan for the win. Answer, Keep it tight. answer the questions, monkeys. Keep it tight, Dan. Tight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. I don't know. They're big and huge. And, yeah, they're big and huge and stupid. Like fucking a. Where else are you gonna play them? You know. I don't. I think they're awesome. I even like Annihilator. Like I don't even mind it when it comes by me because I'm like, eh, Annihilator. 
Like, when you get hit with an Annihilator trigger, it's pretty much end of the game anyway. Like, I haven't seen too many people come back from Annihilator. I know I haven't come back from too many. I think I might have come back once from getting hit with, like, Annihilator 4. So, you know? Like, it, it just doesn't happen all that often, man. So, eh, you know, it's just fun. Plus, Ulamog's indestructible. Say... It's just awesome. Like, so to count, to counter Mark view, I would say, no, Eldrazi should not have been printed. And no, I do not think that they should be such big ass, big ass as they can fit into everything. My primary reasoning for it is, is because with Eldrazi being so massive and so just like overpowered and also being colorless for the most part and going into every deck, it kind of takes away from green's identity. Because now green, which was known for having the biggest of fattest creatures before, now their creatures don't look so big and fat because the mono blue deck has a big fat creature that just shows up. The mono red deck has a big fat creature that shows up. Ooh, what's that? Mono white? Oh, so you must be playing like small soldier-like things? No. I got this big fat ass creature that fits into here just because. So it kind of takes away something from green. And while granted, yes, green can play it, but in the same token, green can also play Solemn Simulacrum. That doesn't make it a card that green should be playing. And I'm just putting that out there just so we can actually have a damn discussion about these fucking colorless creatures that none of us have given a fuck about enough to actually go purchase. The rest of you, I I actually did my thing for this one. I'm so broke. I'm so broke. (laughs) They're uncommon. You can literally pick these up as draft product now. It's awesome. Well, I got married. I don't have money anymore. I had money and now it's gone. There, there was a point where we were able to go afford. To, there was a point where we were able to afford gas to go to the shop so we could get the draft fodder. Now that we're married, we can't. We can't do it. We just don't have the time. We can't even. We we don't have gas money to even get to the damn shop. William, you gonna come here to New Jersey? Give us a ride down to the local shop. Gonna take us over to Tom Warp's Comic and Games so me and Dan can go pick up some of these draft fodders you're talking about. <laughs> Just, like, I, I'm just imagining, like, me and Dan, like, sneaking in, like, five versus spy, like, hiding underneath tables, just randomly waiting for someone to drop their commons and uncommons into the fucking thing, and just, like, the hand just comes up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, then. God damn it, ship already! I'm trying to ship it to the next segment, but you won't let me. Every time I try to start it, you find some reason to start, stop me. No, no, no. Wait. Uh, I ordered Were you a, talking to me? I, I ordered a thing from Hawaii, and it still hasn't shipped. Oh. Okay. But that just got awkward. Well, then. So. So wait a second. Here's another topic that William is forcing us to talk about, and he's over there worrying about a damn shipment from Hawaii. You know what? Screw this. (laughs) We're done with the (laughs) Adrazi. Fuck this. We're going into the strategy segment. We're going to be talking about stuff there that some of us actually gave a fuck about. Stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back. Okay, let me just the thing real quick. What, the, what are you doing over there? But well, I'm still looking for this damn plane to that mention. Quick, uh, someone talk about wrestling. Okay, guys, okay. let me tell you about blue pants. We need we need to have a serious discussion about the professional wrestler pants, okay? NXT mainstay, fan favorite. She's a girl. She's a woman. She's a lady wrestler. And she wears pants. Okay, then. Okay. And the thing that got to me about, like, uh, Blue Pants is, is that when she initially debuted, she was pretty much like a hyped-up jobber. Yeah, yeah, she was. So, like, and for any of you out there that don't understand the terms, a jobber is basically someone who gets paid to come in to lose continuously. Basically, like, the women's division down at NXT had a bunch of female wrestlers. I forget who it was. Was it uh Carmella? Uh, I believe it was uh, Carmella. Yeah. 
And they, they basically had a new female wrestler. There was Carmella. She's coming in. They wanted to look strong. So what they basically did was they put her with a tag team, Enzo and Cass, and Enzo and Cass. And Enzo basically would announce Blue Pants. Cash would sing the Price is Right theme song, and this lady in blue pants would just come down to the ring, happy as shit to be there, and then get her ass whooped for like about a month straight. <laughs> strangely enough, this strangely enough, this actually kind of caught on with some of the fans, and they actually started enjoying seeing Blue Pants come out and started cheering for her, and people in the audience started singing the song to her and everything. So now she's kind of become slightly legit. I mean, she's not championship title material at the moment, but she's at least got a few wins under her belt, and she's kind of a crowd favorite now, which goes to show that you can have a shitty gimmick and get your ass kicked continuously and still end up becoming pretty legit in wrestling. All right. You guys all set? I think so. All right. Let's go ahead and get going. Kind of an off-color episode. Yeah. No, no, just just an episode. Oh. Oh, don't worry. You, you did that. You did that like what, what? Two weeks ago. But this is a podcast, though. It is a podcast, and we are slightly off-color. However, we are not the off-color cast. You calling me off-color is actually pretty offensive, and I don't really take kindly to that. But what the fuck? <laughs> okay, I'm whatever. Okay, so off-color strategies is what we're talking about today. And to kind of give this you... This is a race night for William. What the fuck? <laughs> <sighs> I had to ban a man from my magic tournaments. I don't need this right now. <laughs> like, no, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I actually had to tell a man that he is not allowed to enter any of our magic tournaments ever again. What would someone have to do to get that ban hammer? Uh, constantly show up to modern tournaments pre-gamed. So, like, not drunk, but ch- but still buzzed off of being drunk earlier. Okay. And like definitely smelling like booze. Yeah, and just chugging down the monsters to try and bring his awareness back up. Hmm. And also making other players feel incredibly uncomfortable and making them go, eh, I don't want to show up this week because he's probably going to be there. Wow. <laughs> and telling one of our female players who just started playing Modern, hey, why aren't you wearing a V-neck? And then the week after, when she does show up, being, hey, are you wearing that just for me? And making her feel incredibly uncomfortable. Like, I was ready to blow a gasket after that. Uh, this guy sounds like a bad stereotype. This is a guy who, when I was in high school, which went to a store to try playing Standard for the first time, and would, he would ask me if I wanted to go play at the bar for F&M. Yeah. Okay. Not, not pleasant. Okay, so, okay, so off-color strategies. To kind of give you an idea of what we're talking about today, uh, in a little bit, we're going to be doing talking about the Mono White Reanimator. So we'll go ahead and save that for our Entourage segment. But if you were listening to Rival's Duel a while ago, you know that they made a Mono Green control deck. Now, when you think Mono Green, control is usually the last thing you actually think of. And if you think of Mono Green, it's usually not like Pelucranos. It's actually more like probably Yeva or something like that. And that's kind of what we're talking about today. We're talking about decks that you can play in certain colors and have them be decks that aren't really what you normally think of for those decks. Another example would be Calvin. Remember when you were trying to figure out like a blue commander that you would want to play? Yeah. We came, and we came across a blue aggressive like strategy. Yeah, the Sun Quan Horsemanship deck. <laughs> like, you don't think of blue, just mono blue as an aggressive deck. But then you have this commander that says, oh hey, you guys can just swing and no one can ever block them. 
And then yeah. with all the bounce spells and all the other things that aren't countered that blue does, like with the drawing and stuff, you can keep yourself a decent hand, which kind of is one of the things that most aggressive decks don't have. Because, you know, you play your cards and you usually run out because aggressive decks are usually red and white. But then with um blue's bounce spells, you still get a little bit of the tempo thing. So you kind of lose out on the removal, but it doesn't matter because your guys can't be blocked anyway. So it kind of works into a nice little neat aggressive package if built correctly. Uh, another prime example for this was the, uh, what was it, green control deck? They were, that, I, no, we weren't discussing it. Uh, Eric and Noel discussed it on an episode of Rivals Door recently, right? Yep. But they talked about using a lot of creature-based removal to build your board, build advantage, and deal with answers. <laughs> so Now, the one thing I actually kind of want to ask, seeing as how we're doing this, we've already established the blue aggressive deck, the green control deck. What would be the like, off-color deck for a white, black, and a red deck, gentlemen. I think red, you have to go with red reanimator. Um, yeah, baby. Mmm. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that, because... Get red, that Felden, though. Felden, yeah. Felden certainly does enable a very strong red reanimator strategy. I don't know that it was necessarily kind of off-beat, though, because if you were playing red reanimator, you're kind of playing, like, a kind of a, a Bosch build, where you wanted to sacrifice stuff and throw stuff anyway. So yeah, but with a red reanimator deck, red typically doesn't play with the graveyard that much. Red resources, once spent, are usually completely done. They might as well be in fucking exile as far as red's concerned. Okay, I'll bite. I'll bite. Felden actually cares about that, though. Felden right. is the only yeah. effect in red that brings stuff back from the graveyard, I'm sure. Actually, Felden doesn't even bring it back. He just copies it. Yeah. Technically, yeah. he makes cyborgs out of them. So. Yes. Yeah. He turns them into terminators. Uh, it's already. Already cares about stuff in the graveyard as well. Yeah. And there's also uh yeah. goblin welder that cares about stuff in the graveyard. And the thing is, there's another when, one I can't. When you remember. say reanimator, I think specifically creatures. Like yes, you can you use can have artifacts to be creatures too, Claire. You, 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 can have, you can have a scrapyard reanimator with goblin welder, but that doesn't ring true reanimator to me. That's just artifact deck that happens to have creatures in it. Solemn seems like I wants to talk to you, Clay. And I don't think he has anything nice he wants to say. I, don't I would suggest not answering that phone call. Simulacrum. Ooh. I don't own any. Ooh, we're, we're moving away from that. So what will uh, <laughs> white, black, anti, like, off-color deck be? Well, let's see. White's got reanim... We're going to be doing the white reanimator one. Because, like, you just you don't think of white as a reanimation color. But it actually just has really strong tools for it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. White, you have the white control deck, and you have the white aggro deck, but and you have white combo decks, but you never really think about white reanimator. Well, see, the thing is, white typically dealt with death differently than other colors did, because white, well, at one point, white did have some pretty, had a very small selection of cards that could bring back reanimation things and spells like that, but white version of death is like, oh man, a creature died, but that's okay because his soul lived on, and you usually see a bunch of white spirits or white souls, or soldiers that are soul soldier, souls or spirit soldiers or whatever the case may be, or this creature died and you get a soul token, or this creature died and this token came into play to replace it, so white version of dealing with death wasn't really like, yeah, we're going to bring you back and put you back on the field, like, you know, necromancy. It was more of the, like, yeah, you may be gone, but your spirit lives on. Hmm. So, let's see. But black, black, and black does everything. everything. Yeah. yeah I guess Suicide Black isn't often seen in Commander, so that would seem as kind of like the off-color sort of thing. But Black Aggro is... Uh, black Aggro is a recognized archetype, though. Yeah. 
I would I would have to say that I think like for black it would probably have to be a deck that doesn't cost you anything because hmm. everything black does oh black's willing to let you do it but you're gonna lose something for this but trying to build a black deck where it's like nope it's just I do this I don't lose anything I didn't have to give up two life points to get a nice size beater I didn't have to kill a creature on my own turn or like I didn't have to worry about my demon coming in to force me to sacrifice a human to it. Nope, I just played a black card. It does something. It comes into play. It doesn't hurt me. It doesn't. It doesn't have a downside towards me. It's just a regular, regular creature. I played it. I'm good. But but greatness at any cost. Yeah, but the thing is, a black deck that doesn't have any cost and there's no like trying to like work around it. No like double dealings or reverse contract. Like no, just straight out. Like no, I played a two-two zombie. Period. That's all it was. Two mana, two-two. Go. I would assume from my view of what black does would probably be like the best way of being like a off-color deck. Hmm. I'm not suiciding. No, no, I'm not taking damage every couple of turns. No, I don't have to discard my hand so I can get this seven-seven. No, 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 no. No, no, no. But see, that's... An off-color black deck would basically be an Eldrazi deck with a black commander. That's more or less what it is. Like, yeah, that's actually all it would have to be. That's all it, That's all I can think of it being. <laughs> Black just literally does everything except, you know, like, there's enchantment. It has restrictions on what kind of removal it has. But other than that, like, you can just build any kind of Black deck. Hmm. Combo, aggro, control. Yeah. control. God, the control deck. But I, I just can't think of any deck you can't do. <laughs> Dan, help me out here. Uh, I, you know what? I, I think you could go uh, a couple different ways, but they're all things that other decks do. Like, you could go big stupid creatures, you could play control. Um, you know, uh, I remember Mark mentioning this to me. Uh, you could try for like a mono black enchantress deck that maybe focuses on putting all sorts of different enchantments and auras that are in black into play that, you know, maybe benefit you or penalize an opponent or hurt opponent's creatures or let you cheat stuff in. Oh, um, you know what? That that's actually it. It's the uh the off blackness stuff. It's silly stuff like mono black slivers. I guess. Like Aaron's mono black slivers deck? Yes. That'll do it. Mono black slivers. You guys are thinking too narrow, man. Come on. So there's mono black enchantress. What about like mono blue tokens? Mono white stacks? Like come on, just take like mono one white from stacks. column A, one from column B. Mono hey, white stacks this? seems much more doable. Mono green stacks? Just because in mono white, you get uh, Hokori as your commander, who's just like a winter orb on a stick. See, that's also, you know, that's part of why this can be the exception rather than, you know, what we naturally expect. Like, with white, we get a lot of, okay, these are token guys, these are aggro guys, maybe these are more controlling kind of commanders, and that's kind of white's face identity. And then you get that one oddball commander that enables a different kind of shenanigans. So, like, like we we have uh, four, five possible potential commanders for mono-white reanimator. I don't see a problem with saying, like, oh, okay, there's one commander that really enables a stack strategy where you can play super grief for stacks white. Granted, White's already got a controly build, but it's not really doing it in a stacks sense, you know? It's more I of have... a tax than a stacks. Yeah, I think it's hard to play tax. Like, I mean, you can obviously play tax effects, but it's, I don't know, like, death and taxes is a hard one to port over, I think, without being, like, just a straight, 
don't know, like a straight uh, prison deck, you know? I mean, that's essentially what the Death Attack deck is anyway, but um, I don't know. Like, some of the others, I know we're straying off the monocolor here, but one of my favorites is a blue-black enchantment, like a blue-black auras deck with Ramsey's Overdark at the helm, because I think that's hilarious. So, it's not very good, but just just being able to, like, throw auras on other people's stuff and then killing them is pretty funny. You mean, like, like, like the, uh, uh, wasn't there a blue-black legend from Legends that had something to do with auras? You mean Ramsey's Overdark? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, like, yeah, there's a, there's definitely a couple of different ones. Um, I, I mean, sometimes you got to stretch way the F back into some really goofy crap, so. Yeah, a lot of this is just, like, flipping something on its ear. Like, okay, green's a really creature-heavy color. Well, what's something that we don't really expect a creature deck to be doing? Well, not swinging with big creatures for one. Like, the idea of a creature control deck, I was actually kind of surprised that they went with Pelucranos, because I was actually expecting it to be more kind of like Yeva, because Yeva enables such a, uh, a more, re- such a more reactive kind of deck, and that's what control tends to be, it tends to be reactive. Um, again, also, like, I like, I don't know, like, stretch back into, you know, the, the far acres of Magic's past here, man. Like, I built one time, I doubt it's any good because I didn't play it in the real, but I built a, uh, a red-green steel effects deck, you know, that plays stuff like Aladdin or um, Willow Sater to, like, grab people's stuff, which is goofy, right? Because you don't expect it in those colors. I think that's that's really what works. I mean, that works in your favor if you're playing something like, oh, like Mono Blue Tokens. Like, I've been trying to make my Maluko Mono Blue Tokens deck work. Not so much, but, you know, because obviously, like, the token effects are kind of few and far between in Mono Blue. See, I mean, you can you can go into, like, art, like artifacts, reform. I guess. Yeah, yeah reform, reform is amazing, right? But And you have, like, Homerid spawning beds, so what the hell else do you need? But, you know, there's some few and far betweens in there, man. <laughs> uh, side note, Mark? Yes. Uh, we just got a tweet from uh, L. Nuts, or at L. Nuts. <laughs> Well, and, and he wants you to uh, it's read. Can you tell Mark that Nick would love it if he could talk about his Raya tonight? Can't email him from my phone. And boom, now I got you, Nick. Yep. Tell Nick I got him. Owed him. That was the listener who had emailed me his uh, mono white reanimator build. <laughs> I will toss it in the show notes for everyone to enjoy. It is a thing of beauty. Obviously destined to be way better than my mono white deck. So. Yeah. Oh, and the I finally found shut up Navi. I finally found the plane that I was talking about earlier. Uh, the Segovia, Segovia. Segovia? Yeah, the it's the plane where the hippodrome is. All right, now the I just plane that all creatures get. No, there's a plane where all creatures get minus five, minus zero. Oh, whenever you roll chaos, you may destroy target creature if its power is zero or less. And I believe this is the plane that is like. Very small. I can't remember what it is. But here, your colossal whale could still be colossal. Problem is, he's a five, five, which means even here he would be considered small. But if they saw him outside, like if he just kind of like floated past, and they were able to look up in the sky and saw him, he would be a fucking massive compared to what they would see. And they would still get exiled. Stupid, stupid whale. All right. So, this, why are these things able to be things? Oh, uh, why are these things able to be things? Because <laughs> wizard can stoner cast, man. Why are these things able to be things, man? <laughs> why can't they just all get along? Why do we got to label stuff, man? That's not cool. 
I had a oh, I had an excellent stoner question earlier, but I'll bring it up when we get to the oh, fucking when we get to when we get to the dangly bits. I'll bring it up, Mark. You're gonna enjoy this. So, all right, I got another. I got some some dangly bit teacher uh, like school stories. I got a. They're not stoner stories, I don't think. <laughs> but I'll, I'll go with. I don't think. I don't think they're stoner stories. But um, they're they're just good stories. They might be. Yeah. But all right, so why are these things able to be things? And for clarification, why are colors able to do things that they're not supposed to be able to do? And the reasoning behind this, if that's the question William is asking, is that the question you're asking, William? Something like that, yes. All right, the reason that this happens is because, one, you have to remember a large portion of the color pie in the beginning, while it was all, like, you know, kind of divided up and everybody kind of got their staple stuff, there was a few abilities that were included into the game that the developers weren't really sure exactly where it would go. Because look for, look at like reanimation, right? Technically, now that's basically just like a mono black thing. Like necromancy, your guy is dead. I'm going to bring it back from the graveyard and I'm going to pull it out. Because it's evil, right? That's where we get zombies from. But before, it could easily be seen as a white effect. Because when you think about it, it's just a resurrection kind of effect. Gotta use that phoenix down, brah. Yeah, yeah, it's like if you play in, if you play most of the RPG games or things where you actually have a healing party, technically the white mage is the person that allows characters who have died to get their health back or the, resurrect so they can continue to fight. The difference is uh, holy magic versus necromancy. Right, but you see that's the thing. Like at that time, white and black both could easily take claim to resurrecting something from the graveyard and bringing it back. Yeah. Right. But in the same token, red technically can't do that because fire. It's been turned to ash. There should be no way of getting it back. So it made sense why red went and do it. And technically, if you look at green, green is supposed to be all about, like, gaining life and this life-based color. So green kind of has a claim to it as well. But then, And blue typically is the color that gets access to everything that has the word magic on it because we don't know what to do with it. So all four, like four of the five colors have access to this. And red can kind of do it if you look at it from the Felden perspective of, yeah, well, I can't get it back, but I can at least, you know, I've seen it enough to make a golem that does the same damn thing. I can't bring the dragon back from the dead, but I should be able to make a 6-6 flying dragon out of this metal and this scrap. Because, you know, I can do that because I'm red. So, in a way, reanimation kind of can easily fit into all five colors. But you can't do that because if you had this type of ability that just went everywhere, then none of the colors would have any identity and none of them would feel individual. And there'd be no reason for you even to have a color restriction any damn more because it's basically everybody does the same fucking thing. So they just do it or have a slightly different reason for doing it. So we don't let green do it. Green does life, but it gives life points. It heals the player or, you know, it makes things bigger because it's giving it is letting it grow. Blue doesn't get the react, the re, doesn't get the resurrection effects unless it's for like an artifact or it's a, happens to be a misprint or it's just something that happened to be floating around. White, okay, fine, we'll let angels and the holy magic happen, but we are not letting it happen at all because it has, has to be a miracle in white. You know, it has to be divine intervention and you know, divine intervention doesn't show up every game. Whereas black necromancy, there's a dead body there, and I'm going to Frankenstein it back, or I'm going to use some type of spell to bring it back against its will. Of course, it might cost you something, but we can work it out. 
So that's kind of an example for why these type of decks can become available in the colors that they're not supposed to be, because in a way, all of the colors should have access to most of these things. But some of them are just better at it than others, which is why those colors do it more often, and the other colors don't get the chance to really do it. Unless, of course, we hit, like, a time-shifted set, like, a time spiral block, in which case, all bets are off. Whatever the hell they feel like doing, you're, they're gonna do, and you can, you just kinda have to eat it and deal with it, cause it's now a part of your game. Alright then. So, we kinda have touched on multiple different ones, but let's go ahead and focus on one now. Let's go ahead and go into our technology center, where we're gonna go ahead and have a sweet, mono-white reanimator entourage. Stay tuned everyone, we'll be right back. Alright, we've been talking about this for a while now, and I do mean a while now. It was an idea that we Danny had Glover. way back when we were playing Dead Things with Mike. And no, sit down, Calvin. I am talking right now. I want to get us through this episode because we are almost at the two-hour mark, and we haven't even gotten to our third topic yet. It's just been dangle, dangle, dangle. Enough dangling. I want to d- get some doing. So we're doing some mono-white reanimation shenanigans, and, well, let's go ahead and go ahead. Yeah. First, I want to go ahead and do is point out the what we're exactly we're trying to accomplish here. Go ahead, go back to our episode playing with dead things. I forget exactly which number it was. It had Mike from the Man of Pawan, It was awesome. But we basically talk about okay. Our goal is to go ahead and get really big stuff out really early by discarding it and then using cheaper spells to cast that thing. So like Avacyn, Elish Norn, you know, really big white stuff like that. Even sorry. Even the new Ulamog, just a kind of a, a universal reanimation target. Stuff that you can do. So the first thing I want to do is throw out some commanders out there that you can uh, potentially use. I don't... They're all kind of different flavors of reanimation, but they give you different aspects that you want to look at. Mark, you've got one that you want to start with. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the nice things I like about just finding, I don't know, maybe different ways to play different decks is that cards that seemingly seem like unplayable in other circumstances kind of pop up. So one that I've been looking at is Enduring Renewal. Um, Enduring Renewal is a four mana. Oh, Mark, Mark, Mark. I, I said possible. Talk about commanders. Oh, damn it. This is where you get to talk about Raya. I guess. I'm, yeah, yeah, you get to talk about Raya. Raya is a great, a great target, too. Yeah, see, I don't know. Rhea, like, okay, I'll just, I'll just read off Rhea. So, the thing that, that bugs me about Rhea is she's an awesome, she's an awesome, I don't know, card, but, like, she's nine mana, man. Ooh. So, Rhea Dawnbringer is six colorless mana and three white, which I guess is, I mean, the three white's not that big a deal here. She's a legendary creature, she's an angel, she's a four six. Four six for nine? I'm just saying, nope, nope. Uh, she's flying, duh. But at the beginning of your upkeep, you may return target creature card from the graveyard to the battlefield. Also, some of her art kind of sucks. So. <laughs> yeah, some of it's not my favorite. But see, the, it is a really big problem that she costs nine for a, nine. For a minor white tag. And yes, that is a fuck ton of mana. Like, for a four six, man. Even Kalia can't help that out. But at the same time, nine. I, I, at the same time, I would argue that's why she works as the commander of a reanimator deck. Because then you don't send her to the command zone, you just send her to the graveyard and you reanimate her and bring her back, and then she grabs other things for you. 
I, I gotta jump he in. He does here have a and, point. And strongly disagree, because if, if she's gonna be your commander, you're waiting until you have nine mana. And so, by the time you've got nine mana, you've played an entire game. So she, she's gonna do work late, but she's also gonna be a huge target late. So maybe like thinking outside the box, um, might yield like some more surprising results. Like I know when Mark was sending me his deck list for this, he sent me Magetta the Lion as the commander, and he's a, a five mana, three colorless, and white uh, legendary he's a spell shaper legend so he's gonna have some stuff on him so he's a 3-3 but his special ability is uh two colorless two white tap him and discard two cards from your hand you get to destroy all creatures except for mageta the lion those creatures can't be regenerated so he's gonna board wipe everybody else put your stuff back into the graveyard from play because that's a quirk of white that we actually haven't touched upon yet is white is really good at reanimating its own stuff it really can't do much with other people's graveyards so if you're going to take advantage of that you need to have ways of putting your cards into your graveyard so magetta does it with two ways it lets you do a little spell shaper shenanigans where you get to discard two bombs from your hand throw them in your graveyard so you can reanimate them later and if you had already reanimated targets in play it doesn't matter that you just killed them because you wiped the board for everybody else and you know you're going to bring them back next turn because that's what deck's built around so it lets you have a lot of utility and uh and it's an unusual choice for uh a reanimator general so i think you get some style points there mark yeah i mean i think that at least if you build your deck correctly if you play it with Rhea, Rhea isn't the primary option like the thing about building a deck around a commander with a theme um or at least like using the commander as utility with that theme is that the commander is not the only instance of that in the deck like Rhea is Super late game, you've exhausted all of your other reanimation spells, we're just going to play this huge thing that if it lives for a turn, we're going to get value off of it. But I would not discount Rhea, just because she costs so much, but it definitely changes how you build and play the deck. Alright, so, kind of on those similar lines, you can also just use a single commander that you intend to abuse over and over again. I'm talking about Yosei the Morningstar, if you want to be that guy. So it's like, okay, you'll say the Morningstar for if for your youngins out there who weren't around when, you know, Champions was a thing. You'll say the Morningstar is a 5-5 flying dragon spirit. That, that, that's important. He's a dragon spirit for four white whites. And when he dies, target player skips their next untapped step, and you get to tap up the five things they control. Whether it's lands or creatures, just anything. That is really brutal. So in a reanimator shell... Yose just gets to tell someone they don't play magic anymore. Dick. <laughs> okay, let's see. And then I had a couple of French things I wanted to throw at you guys. Like Lieutenant Kurtar. Let's see. Let's bring up Kurtar. I don't know him. Lieutenant Kurtar. It's pretty sweet. I play him in my soldier deck. Yeah, he's a legendary bird soldier. 2-2 for one white white flies, like birds do. And he says, pay white in white, uh, one white, sack him, remove target attacking creature from the game. I just kind of like the idea that what, that if you're playing him as your commander, if he gets too expensive to cast normally, you can just kind of reanimate him to try and cheat that rattlesnake effect back onto the board. And then, let's see, there, let's see, did I really have Yomiji? You did. Yomiji, let's see, what does this guy do? Counts as a Zumbini. Alright, so Yomiji who bars the way. Another card from Kamigawa block. He costs seven. So that's not as expensive as Rhea, but let's see, what does he do? He's a legendary spirit, 4-4. Four, four. Whenever a legendary permanent other than Yumija who bars the way is put into a graveyard from play, return that card to its owner's hand. 
So Mono White Legends. Mono White Legends. You know, just Japan Sise. Hmm. And yeah, I could I could see that being used. It's just kind of like a um uh Yammer white way of just refilling cards when they die. Gina, yes. Not to mention his flavor text is intense as fuck. Let's see. As I died, I rejoiced. I would see my family again. But then I woke up back on the battlefield, back in Kamigawa, back in hell. Wow, that's intense for him. Now, uh, since we are talking about, like, the uh, mono-white commanders, like, another commander we could potentially throw in there, seeing as that we are talking about mono-white and we are talking about resurrection effects and getting stuff back, we could put, uh, we could potentially go with, like, Lin Savey, if we're going Lin with Sibay. a Rebels team. Yeah, Lin Savey. I, I definitely enjoy Rebels. Because we can then use her. We can have a nice little sub-theme of rebel creatures that we can search out, some decent targets. And if they happen to die, we can bring them back with our reanimation spells. If they get shuffled into our library one way or another, we can use Lynn to search them out again. Which then means that unless the creature's exiled, we can continuously have access to our rebel. Rebel, 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 rebel. Rebel, rebel, rebel. All right. So we've gone ahead and we've mentioned just a couple of the commanders. You can really take your pick as to which one you want to watch. Run. Hell, you can even just kind of... Run a, a more generic commander, like a Eight and a Half Tails or Avacyn, if you really just want to have a commander that does different things. So let's go ahead, because the entourage that we're doing here is really much more about the deck itself. So, Mark, you were about to go into a thing, so I'm going to go ahead and let you get back to it. So what's a piece of tech that we can use in this mono-white reanimator? Cool. Alright. Uh, the first one I was gonna have is actually a suggestion I got from Aaron a long time ago, and I still have yet to have the stones to put it in a deck, but it's going in this one, damn it. Um, Enduring Renewal is a four mana enchantment. It's two colorless and two white. It's weird, cause it's out of Ice Age, so of course it would be. It also got reprinted in Time Spiral, so you know it's bizarre. Uh, play with your hand revealed. If you would draw a card, reveal the top card of your library instead. If it's a creature card, put it into your graveyard. Otherwise, draw a card. Whenever a creature is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, return it to your hand. So it's kind of doing everything you want in a mono-white reanimator deck. I mean, stuff's going back to your hand, but you also get a little bit of, like, necessary... Um, card advantage from drawing a card off creatures, because obviously in a reanimator deck you're going to have a surplus of creatures. Um, the play with your hand revealed is is weird, but then again you're not, I mean, especially in a reanimator deck you're playing with probably half your hand revealed anyway in the form of your, your graveyard, so I think like the, the downsides for, for Enduring Renewal here are less than they would be in other places I think, and then the upsides are a little more upside, if that makes sense. Hmm. Hmm. All right, so Dan, what do you got? So building on uh, Mark's ideas of getting creatures in the graveyard, one of the things that White needs to be able to do is have ways to put those creatures there, and it has some off-the-wall options. Like you, you, you've got artifacts like Grimoire of the uh, of the Dead, which is a great card, and Jalum Tome, and Trading Post, and like creatures like Deal Broker, but those are all colorless cards that give you that option. Um, and you're gonna need more than just the artifacts there. So I looked at um, efficient ways that White has to put those creatures that you want to reanimate in the graveyard early. And some of the more interesting ones I found were s- small white creatures that have a discard effect and an activated ability. Um, so, for instance, a card like Tireless Tribe, it's a 1-1, and it comes down for one uh, one planes, and it has the activated one ability. One planes. One planes. Wait, one so white. I can't, wait, so I can't use my Mox Diamond? No, no, because no, it's not a plane. You haven't played a biplane, a triplane, um, 
anything like that. You play, you need to play one plane. Plane. So for, so for one white, um, you get a one one, but it has discard a card. Tireless tribe gets plus zero plus four until end of turn. So with cards like this, you have an early blocker and a way to put a, you know, a bomb into the graveyard. So by the time you roll around to turn four, where white has some of its earliest reanimation spells, you can play one of those uh, bombs, you know, pretty much on, on cue. And there are other cards like this, like Trained Pronghorn and Patrol Hound. And they're, you know, they're similar. Trained Pronghorn as discard a card and prevent all damage that would be dealt to Trained Pronghorn this turn. Um, so you've got, you know, great blocking options there. And they're inexpensive creatures. So gives you a board presence, helps fulfill the needs of the deck by giving you really cheap and efficient ways to get cards into your graveyard. And, you know, they're, they're chump blockers, and they, they keep you moving towards your ultimate goal of getting big, stupid creatures in uh, on time and as soon as possible. Hmm. Hmm. All right, then. You have something you want to toss in there, Clay? Um, let's see. No. There, I, I found a really funny card, at least. Okay. Well, go ahead. Tell us uh, about your really funny card, Clay. Just, just searching through cards in white that have, you know, um, graveyard to battlefield or to the battlefield. Um, there's a cycle of cards from Mac and Guess and Judgment. I'm pretty sure there's stuff in every color. The Advocate cycle, where you tap them, and super awkwardly you have to put cards from opponents' graveyards back into their hand to get an effect. Um, in white, we have Pulse Mage Advocate, which costs two and a white. It's a 1-3 human cleric. Uh, tap. Return three target cards from an opponent's graveyard to his or her hand. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. So it's an almost free reanimation. The only problem is your opponents have to have cards in their graveyards. Um, and it has to be a single opponent. So I'm sure if you want to be really weird um, and you want to fill up your own graveyard, you could play our favorite little two-drop orb to get stuff into people's graveyards and then return it to their hand with this guy or... Even with the new Eldrazi, you could process stuff back into their graveyard if it gets exiled. I don't know. It's weird. Uh, I think it still works even without the setup, though, because over the course of a game, cards are going to end up in the graveyard, and when you've got three opponents staring at you, somebody's going to have a graveyard that sets you up perfectly for that. So it's going to be yeah. better with setup, but it's it's an absolute great sneaky card to have in a in a white reanimator deck. And it's also a really good political tool. Hell yeah. That, that, that's what I was about to touch on, because it would be a really good political tool. Because, wait, do you get to pick three cards? Yeah, it's yep. you target the cards. Right, so, like, you can potentially, like, use it, like, have a player, like, say, for instance, someone's burned off a piece of removal on something, and a bigger, more damaging threat shows up, you can then make a deal if it's like, listen, that thing's there, I'm more than willing to allow you to get these cards back, but I'm only doing it if, you, uh, if you're if you going to take this removal spell and kill that. So you can try to, like, you know, at least, like, wiggle around and find a way to, like, take advantage of this disadvantage in a multiplayer game. Because, like, in a single-player game, that'd be a problem because, you know, that remove is just going to come back and it's going to go right at this thing or at something else or whatever you brought back. But at least here in EDH, you know, you can potentially bounce around and be like, look, player A and player B over there has a problem that neither C or D wants to deal with, but D has this and C has their answers. So digging like, look, I can give you this and that. You're only going to really gain a card out of it 
But in the same token, I'll get a creature, you'll get an extra card, and we both won't have to deal with that enchantment or with that problem over there. But yeah. we can only do this if we're working together for this one turn. And then you can just kind of sweeten the pot with other deals. Like, you know, when I do get my creature back, I won't attack you with it for a turn or two or whatever, just to kind of like, you know, get things going the right way. And it forces you to be sociable. Yeah. Um. Another funny thing, if you don't want to be political and you have a way to remove cards from people's graveyards, is that, like, yes, um, well, let's see. This this ability has four targets. Three cards in an opponent's graveyard and a creature card from your own graveyard. You can target their three and yours, and if you have, like, a Tormod's Crypt, you can exile their graveyard. And since one of the targets is still legal, your card will still come back, and they won't get their cards. Hmm, that's nasty. <laughs> and you've that, that basically shits all over the, like, political aspect that I'm trying to, like, get well, yes. our listeners into. Yes. But in the same token, oh. you know... It, like, you know, it ain't always going to be you and multiple players, so there's going to come a yeah. point in time where it's going to come down one-to-one, so having that option would be very good. Or if you're in green-white and have a scavenging ooze, you basically get a free reanimation for tapping this guy in three green. Anyways. So, it's Willie's time. Willie. So, I want to go ahead and introduce you to my little friend, Deal Broker. No. Deal Broker is pretty awesome. He's a three-mana artifact creature construct. He's a 2-3. He has some um, some ubiquitous text that doesn't really matter to this situation. What matters is that he has tap, draw a card, dis- discard a card. He's a colorless looter that you can play in any deck that happens to need discard and draw. You know what white cotton wants? Draw. You know what reanimator wants? Discard. You know what does both perfectly? This guy. I love deal broker. Yeah, looting is sweet. And now not just blue gets it. Yep. Yay. And on top of that, and you know what? Kind of on that same vein, trading post is also really good. Because you can ditch a card and gain life. And you can sack creatures to get artifacts back and sack artifacts to draw cards. And then discard those cards to reanimate later. It's a beautiful cycle of market. But, Will, those are those are just artifacts. White's got so many, like, weird off-the-wall, um, like, instants. Even, like, like um, oh, let me see. Um, like, you can use artifacts to fill in the, the niches, but if you want to keep it, like, like white-focused and on point, like, there are cards like Sacred Rites, which is an instant. Uh, it costs one white, and then you can discard any number of creature cards, and creatures you control get plus zero, plus one until end of turn for each card discarded this way. So you play that, end of, you know, end of somebody's turn, and then you can play, you know, any of the white, you know, four mana cards that'll reanimate something, and you set something up out of the blue that people aren't ready for. Um, and it's a one shot, so, you know, you can, but you can dump as many cards as your graveyard as you want, so. You know, fun, weird things that can, you know, dig deep into, you know, the history of, of white cards. Like, this one was from Odyssey and pull some weird stuff out there that, you know, people people are used to seeing trading posts, but I bet they've never seen something like Sacred Rights. You're not wrong. However, for all for practicality's sake, I would actually lean heavier on the artifacts for some things like this card, especially when you can get a much more useful and versatile effect out of them, especially when it's repeatable. But you still want to be able to supplement the the artifact game there because you, you, you there are strong there's strong choices obviously and you need them to to bolster what the deck is going to need to function. But it's always fun to to look at stuff that's maybe more focused in your your commander's colors and even if they're not the most efficient option, sometimes playing that one off the wall card that generates conversation or nobody is expecting to have to deal with. I don't uh, disagree, but again, because you're playing you're trying to play a more off color strategy. 
you do need to go to artifacts to kind of help supplement said strategy. No, and absolutely, I'm 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 all for it. But for one of the things that I I would I would say to do is is look for the off the wall stuff in those colors, even if they're not the most efficient. Like there's a card like Vengeful Dreams, which can be a great you know removal card for you. It's an instant uh, two white as an additional cost to cast Vengeful Dreams. You can discard X cards and you exile target attacking uh, X exile X target attacking creatures. So instead of playing something like Swords to Plowshares, maybe do something like that. Okay, see, Vengeful, Vine, Vengeful Dreams is something I can get behind, because that has some actually good utility and function. Like, I'm looking at, you know, like, Train Pronghorn and stuff like that, I'm like, okay, yeah, those are cool, because they're kind of weird, but at the same time, if you don't have stuff you want to ditch, they're literally just dead, do-nothing cards. And for someone like me, who's a real Melvin about deck building, that just... Ugh. But it's it's tricky because other than those cards, you don't have many efficient options that can do what you need to do for free early. Like if you want to have that explosive early game, you don't have a lot of the options that Black would have, or even um, you know some other decks might uh, might have. Um, and they can be, they absolutely can be dead draws. But you know you're you're going to have those in a deck. But if you need uh, you know to get something into your graveyard and you don't want to pay the mana that a, a spell shaper style card would require, like something like Devout Witness, which, uh, you know, it offers you artifact and enchantment removal plus a uh, discard on a stick, but you have to pay mana in order to get the effect. If you need to play another card, you need to play a different kind of removal, then all of a sudden that spell shaper's not doing anything for you. But if you need a cheap blocker, you know, you've got Tireless Tribe in there and you can do your thing free. The short story is you run everything. <laughs> all right, so let's go. So let's. So we've gone ahead. We talked about some ways of discarding cards. Let's talk about some stuff that actually brings them back. Like some of this stuff is the reason Mono White Rammer isn't a well-known or popular strategy is because sometimes a lot of these cards are just overlooked. So yeah, and some of them are just really, really old. Yeah, like again, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and bring this back from our reanimated episode. Miraculous Recovery. I actually have to look up Miraculous Recovery real quick. So Miraculous Recovery is awesome, not just because it returns a creature from your grave to the battlefield, but it does it at instant speed and gives it a plus one, plus one counter. All of this wow. for just five mana. Now, that's from, and it's from Visions. So, incredibly old card that, again, I'll, you get dual decks, heroes versus monsters, and you start looking through the heroes deck, and you're like, the fuck is this? There's no way White actually had a card like this. Is this a new one? What? Nope. It's actually pretty darn old. Yep, and pretty yeah. darn good, too. <laughs> so go ahead, Calvin. Uh, let's see here. Well, the the card I was talking about from, what was it, Weatherlight? Let me get back to it here. Do, 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 do. Where are you? I just saw you. There we go. It's uh, Angelic Renewal. It's one colorless, one white. It's an enchantment and it has an effect on it. And this is closer to a Rattlesnake card for our Mono White Reanimator deck. But it has, when every creature is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, you may sacrifice Angelic Renewal. If you do, return that card to the battlefield. So, seeing as how it's only two mana and it's an enchantment, it's a may trigger. So, if a creature dies or if you happen to raft the board, it doesn't automatically go off. No one's going to doomblade your token and force you to sack your enchantment. But because it's only two mana, it also goes very well with another reanimator card that we that I'm going to bring up now that Williams brought up before. Talks about it. Said it was in most of his deck. That would be Sun Titan. Sun Titan brings back cards with a converted mana cost of three or less from your graveyard back to the battlefield. So, Sun Titan dies. You sacrifice um, Angelic Renewal. Angelic Renewal goes to the graveyard. 
Sun Titan comes back. Sun Titan sees Angelic Renewal, returns it back to your field. Yay. <sighs> Love me some Sun Titan. <laughs> yeah, it is and like now, Sun Titan. Card. Yeah, and when with this card, basically Sun Titan pretty much just becomes like, oh, I'm just going to keep bringing stuff back. So until you can do something about this card and me, there's just going to be anything that's three or less. It's going to basically spend like maybe half a turn in a graveyard. <laughs> yep. Oh boy. So okay. Uh, who had it next, Mark? Yeah. You know, at this point, I just want to make sure I give a shout out to a listener named Nick who sent me a really awesome list. His own, actually, his Rhea mono white reanimator deck, which Nick, your list is way better than mine, dude. I'm probably, I, I'm almost certainly just going to like take the shell of your list and probably just throw in a couple of little pet cards. Um, I just want to go over a couple of cards he threw in there just real quick. Um, Speaking of old cards, there's there's a couple old, just straight from Graveyard to Battlefield sorceries that I really dig that Nick's thrown in there. One of them is just straight up Resurrection. They're <laughs> yeah. all four mana sorceries. <laughs> just straight up, boom, you're taking a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Same thing with False Defeat. Same thing with Breath of Life. Uh, the only difference between Breath of Life and False Defeat and Resurrection is my colored mana symbol. Like, there's three colorless and one white for False Defeat and Breath of Life versus two colorless and two white for Resurrection. I mean, they all do the same thing, but you're probably going to want to pop them in there anyway. Yeah. Um, and then there's a, a couple other, I mean, we talked a little bit about some spell shapers before. Like, Avenger and Doll is one that I'm, I'm growing really fond of recently. I put it in a couple decks. It basically, it's a spell shaper that for two colors and a white, you discard a card and you source the plowshare for an attacking creature. Just remove a target attacking creature from the game. Its controller gains life equal to its toughness. It's pretty good for a one colorless and a white little one one dude. Um, especially when you're wanting to chuck crap in your, uh, in your graveyard anyway. Um, yeah. You know, and stuff like that. I mean, you know, you'll probably overlook things like, yes, Miraculous Recovery is, is a sweet instant, but don't forget the old stuff, man. And then, I mean, Will, I know you had Profound Journey. I'll let you talk about it, man, but that one's pretty sweet, too. Also, it's Defy sh- Death is pretty good in this deck because it's probably going to be a bunch of angels because it's white. And if it's a big white creature, it's probably an angel. So throw that one in there, too. <laughs> Okay, let's see that. So, uh, may I toss out a card? Mm-hmm. Go for it. I mean, this is this is just to put it out there because it's an option. Not an option for most players because it's old and it's extremely expensive. Oh, you gosh. probably won't actually have a copy of it. But if you happen to be one of the few, very few commander players who actually picked up a, co- a copy of the commander's arsenal, you can bring out the lawyer retainers. It's two colorless and a white. It's a 1-1. It has the ability where you can sacrifice and return a legendary creature from your graveyard to the battlefield, but you can only activate this ability during your turn and only before attacks are declared. Now, I'm not suggesting this is something that will go into our particular version of the deck, but, you know, if you're the kind of person who likes to foil your deck out, you want the big expensive things in there, and you want the bling, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's other things we could probably find to go into this deck that could take that lawyer retainer spot. But I'm just saying, if you just happen to have, like, how much would it be, like, $300, $400, something like that? That's how much he was last time I checked. I know he's expensive. Hold on. I'm going to go look him up. Uh, While he does that, I guess I can throw out another card. Um, A goofy little enchantment from Dark Ascension. Um, It costs two, white, white. It's called Seance. At the beginning of each upkeep, you may exile target creature card from your graveyard. If you do, put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of that card, except it's a spirit in addition to its other types. Exile it at the beginning of the next end step. 
So, while it's not true reanimation, we do lose the card and it gets lost in exile. Um, you get to bring a thing back for a turn. It won't have haste, so you'll have to find another way to attack with it. But it could be really useful for, say, if you need to get something off the board with for a turn, bringing back a Fiend Hunter or a Banishing Priest, um, bringing oh. back... Anything with an activated ability that you need, getting back a Sun Titan for a turn to bring back something else. Um, and then you can also do really silly things by using Pull from Eternity to put the card that you exiled back into your graveyard for the next turn. I want to see someone have Seance and Pull from Eternity on an Isochron Scepter, and they just reuse the same creature every turn. That would be funny. I, I, I've looked him up. Lurie Retainers. Actually, it's, it's expensive, but it's not nearly as expensive as I was uh, initially expecting. Hmm. Uh, the it's not original like copy, kidney? No, it's not. Uh, well, it's not sell a kidney prices. Okay. Like the original copy you can get for a low of about forty three ninety seven to a wow. high of about $56 or so, give or take. Oh, wow. And the one from the arse is a low of 16 49. So there's places you can find online that are selling it for like $16, $17, give or take, with shipping and handling of like maybe a buck. So they like, <laughs> may run you about 18 bucks. It'll so you like pick him up in a couple of newspaper. And, hmm? <laughs> the quality of that card will be like a piece of used newspaper. Yeah, no, but still, like, you know, like if you want a copy, you can pick one up. And the medium to high version of it is about 50 bucks from the commander's arsenal. So yeah, you know, so. Granted, it's not like within, it's, it's not within most budgets to spend $50 on a single piece of cardboard, but in the same token, there are cheaper versions of it that you can potentially get for somewhere between like the $20 or less. So if you really want it, I mean, it's not completely out of range. And if you really, really want it, the price for the 50 bucks is not too high. I mean, it's not like you're buying like a dual land or something. It's not a box, so. Oh, See, I think Dan hasn't had a second card. Standards that go more than that. Oh, um, I guess for for my my second card, because like it did kind of a sweep, is like weird white creatures to reanimate. And I know there are a lot of like there are a lot of obvious targets that people like. You know, you can do warm Get foil engine, do Eldrazi. I want to reanimate Sarah Avatar. That is my jam. <laughs> turn four, reanimate a Sarah Avatar. Swing for forty. Like that's living. You know, it's it's a huge threat. If you can sneak it in to kill somebody, that's going to be the story that gets retold every night you play with those people. So reanimate Sarah Avatar. That is, I'm I'm banging my fist on the table, people. That is the play. Make it happen. I have a funny story about Sarah Avatar. Um, someone cast it once, and my friend was like, uh, "Essence backlash." That's not which. Right. Counters target creature spell, and its controller takes damage equal to its power. That's not nice. It's game. Yeah. 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 He he was dead pretty quick. Your friend is a mean, mean person. <laughs> but then again, if you had the chance to do it, Mark, wouldn't you? Wouldn't yeah, you? man. I'm not going to lie. Like, back in the day, <laughs> one of my jams was Personal Incarnation, which is a shit card. Don't play that card. But And the downside of Personal Incarnation is whenever that whenever someone bolts that goddamn creature, even though it's a 6-6, six, six, just, like, double bolt it or do whatever crazy, you know, shit you want to do. Whenever someone kills that creature, you lose half your life. I, I died a lot to that creature. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not proud of it. But. Now, the one thing six, I would six. have to... <laughs> he's only a 6-6. Six, six. 
But, like, the one thing I would have to say about it, though, is, is that, well, granted, the Sarah Avatar could potentially be big in a, if you reanimate it in most decks. Like, you know, if you, if you have it in a deck and you're filling your graveyard up. But in this particular build, it might not be able to get as big as we want it to because it's not the only target we'd be bringing back. And chances are, like, you know, if we're doing things correctly, there might not be much in there. It'll probably it'll still be a decent size, but not as big as, you know, it would be like in a normal mono white deck. Well, Just, you know. You could you could do like more reasonable targets like the proper play might be like reanimate Angel of Serenity and exile three you know creatures when she comes into play and you know you got a five six flyer and you know that again that is that well, is the savvy mean. play that is definitely the savvy play or like Blazing Archon and no no creatures can attack you so you basically right. protected yourself they're big they're expensive creatures the the the, the kind of creatures want to sneak in from the graveyard you never want to pay full price for these guys but but again sarah avatar is living the dream yeah yeah like yeah i can fully <laughs> see it though like at, at like i'm not saying it's a bad pick but like you know like there's going to come points in times where it's like you know you're going to have just the right amount of like like i haven't got a chance to do much reanimation and everything i've brought back has been killed my graveyard's now filled with my creatures and my reanimation spells because everything's been killed but i've got one left Mm, you know what? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's passable. It's good. Uh, I'm not knocking it. It can go easily go into the deck. There's room here for everybody, almost. We've only got 60 spots. But if we're talking about cards, now here's something that, like, see this how we are talking about that. A uh, card that I would think would probably be a good card to go into the deck, but we would never reanimate, <laughs> would be uh, Glory. <laughs> with it being three colorless, double white, uh, incarnate, it's a 3-3 three, three flyer, and it has an activated ability on it where you can pay two colorless and a white, and you can choose a color, and the creatures you control gain protection from that color of your, cho- of your choice until end of turn. Problem is, you can only activate this ability if glory is in your graveyard. <laughs> so, <laughs> while granted, it's a creature that we could potentially reanimate at some point if we really needed a 3-3 three, three flyer for some reason, it ended up being one of those cards that we just kind of stick into the graveyard and it's like, you know what? I'm good. You stay right there. We're going to continue doing this. Oh, now I can actually give my creatures protection from all the uh, uh wildfires and the cards that's going through. And, oh, I can swing and attack clearly now with the creatures I've reanimated. Yeah, Glory's perfectly fine. Acceptable. Uh, like it's one of the few targets that I'm including into the deck. We have no that I have no intentions on ever reanimating, except for weird corner case scenarios where someone's at three and I need a flyer that has evasion that's got three that can finish them for me. And even then, I don't think I'd even play them. I'd like I'd probably just rather let's find something else to give my put another three three down, just give them uh, protection from colors and smack them. Probably. <laughs> All right then. So, Dan, did you have one more thing? Yeah, just one more, because it's along the same kind of speed that Calvin's was. Um, one of the kind of cards that you want to pitch and not reanimate could go with, like, the cl- cl- a classic, like, Valor, which uh, is a 2-2, three colorless, and one white first strike. And as long as Valor is in your graveyard and you control the planes, creatures you control have first strike. So now okay. you've basically turned attacking you into a really unwise proposition for everyone else at the table, and it's going to benefit you you start swinging because you'll be able to kill these creatures before they can, you know, they can kill you. And just another cool toolboxy thing to be able to chuck into your graveyard. Yeah. And if they happen to accidentally, and if they do happen to kill your creature, it doesn't matter in this deck because we can always reanimate it back and probably something else. And now we've got two creatures with first strike. That other one that died earlier, he's not dying so easily now because his buddies are going to be helping him out. <laughs> All right. But, anything else you got there, Will? Uh, just a little. Let's see. 
I just wanted to double check real quick. So, did we mention Resurrection? Uh, yes. Resurrection, Marshall. yes. Okay. Did we get Marshall's Anthem? No. No, actually. That's okay then. Well, kitties, Marshall's Anthem was originally in, let's see, I want to say Worldwake? Yeah, Worldwake, it's multi-character. And it got reprinted in the White Commander deck last year. So it's a it's a, it's a basic anthem for two white white, but for multi kicker of one white. So you can pay one one white as many times as you want to. When Marshall's anthem enters the battlefield, return up to X target creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield, where X is the number of times Marshall's anthem was kicked. So for eight mana, you just get two things back. Like you know that Elishnoy in your graveyard. Well, how would you like it if she had a friend? How about Avison? Those two seem to get along. <laughs> they actually just call each other bitch behind each other's backs. I could, I could actually see that. Uh, and the good thing, for, well, actually, seeing as how you are bringing in Marshall's Anthem, this would be a good place to bring in the other resurrection, like not creature resurrection, but like the things that bring back enchantments and artifacts and stuff. Because, you know, granted our deck will be mostly based around bringing creatures back. That doesn't mean that we have to restrict it to just creatures. We can also bring other stuff back so we can be able to recur to Marshall's Anthem if it gets destroyed so we can then use it again. And hey, you know what? I have just the card for that, too. Profound, oh, really? yeah, profound journey from Dragons of Tarkir. For five white white, you get a sorcery that says return target permanent cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. Like, it's literally just any permanent in your graveyard. Just bring it straight back. But what's even better is that it has rebound. So as you cast it and it resolves, you exile it. And then at the beginning of your next upkeep, you get to cast it again for free. Yeah. So you get to get two permanents back, as long as you have two permanents in your graveyard. As long as they don't call each other bitch face behind each other's backs. Ooh. Bitch face. Even if they do. All right. Now, uh, hold on, before we go too much further. Uh, a couple mechanics that I want to toss out there that would be good for this particular deck, just to right, have right. the option. Shoot. Okay, there's... So we have a flashback, which granted isn't a reanimator effect, but it is an effect that allows us to be able to reuse our cards multiple times, just like how Williams Rebound allows him to use it twice. You know, so you have things like, I don't know, like a, a Battle Screech, which is the four mana flashback where you can like pay four mana and get two white birds with flying. And then you can flash it back by tapping three untapped creatures you control. Battle so screech. you can get four creatures. Yep. And then there's also a uh, retrace. That's another effect that we can also use in this particular thing. You know, chart, chuck any additional lands that we have as a discard and be able to get stuff back. I think the only one I can remember is, um, what is it? Cena's enlistment? Cena's enlistment. Sends enlistment. Yeah. Enlistment. It's John Cena! John Cena! God damn it! <laughs> it had to happen eventually. Yep. You get rare distortion if you went with that. <laughs> rare distortion is an awesome flashback spell. For four mana, it's an instant that destroys an artifact or enchantment. You can flash it back for six. <laughs> no, I think I kind of, I think I went with the right choice in that case. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like with, uh, Cena's enlistment, you basically pay two, three colors on a white, and you get two one one Kifkin soldier tokens on the battlefield, and then you can discard a land, and then pay four more later to get more tokens. So, well, granted, it's not a reanimator. It is a repeatable spell that comes from your graveyard, happens, goes back to your graveyard, pay four mana, comes from your graveyard. So you can continuously have a nice little board presence. So if we're playing this and we've got, uh, what was it, Valor, the one that gives creatures first strike, mm -hmm. we can, like, use this and that to basically have, like, a little miniature army of, like, just protection. Just a bunch of one ones that had a first strike, which is still pretty good. And if we use glory, we can give those one ones protection. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> 
All right. So did you guys have anything else you wanted to go ahead and mention? Um, I'm going to mention one special one because White really likes weenies. And yeah, if you decide uh, to go a weenie route, uh, specifically yeah. human weenies, um, Man, this is a, not any better. a human weenie deck. Um, there's, there's this cool, cool card, um, from, I believe, Avison Restored. Yes. Angel of Glory's Rise costs five white, white for a four, six flying angel. When she enters the battlefield, though, you exile all zombies. So, Sidisi says, sad face. Um, Rolf and Gissa say, sad face. Um, and then return all human creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. So, if you're playing human aggro, and a bunch of shit has already died, just play this thing and it all comes back. Yeah, that's, a, that's even a legacy deck. It's a really bad legacy deck. But it's so much fun! Uh, no. Oh, but I like being able to, to tap wizards or, like, or drawing cards and losing, except not winning. Alright, so I think... Oh, I can't believe that we all missed this. Ugh. Uh, Twilight Shepherd. There we go. Has, and creatures would persist that are in white that they, if they die. Twilight Shepherd, back. not Karma Guide or Revlar? No, uh, Twilight Shepherd. I thought those were kind of, a, kind of a given. Kind of a given. Not for the older players. Remember, we have people who started with, like, Cosblock or, God forbid, Origins. Who have never heard of Karmic Guide or Revlar. This is a real, this is a real thing. I am playing with EDH with people who started with cons and origins. Like, they, they don't know what a guild, what the guild names are. Damn, Babbies. Or the shards. It's like, I, Babbies. We, 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 we try and talk about John, and they look at us like, you know, like there's lobsters crawling out of our ears. So, so, how's about this, Will? You do Revelark, I'll do Twilight Shepherd, and what was the other one you mentioned? Karmic Guide? Karmic Guide? Uh, do I have Karmic Guide up here? I don't see it. Uh, 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 Dan, quick, you search up Karmic Guide. I'm gonna do Twilight Shepherd, Will's got Revelark. Uh, Twilight Shepherd is three colorless, triple white. It's an angel, it has flying and it has vigilant. It's been reprinted a hell of times, like three at least. Uh, whenever it enters the battlefield, you can return to your hand all cards in your graveyard that were put into the battlefield this turn. So basically, if you cast, if it's graveyard. on the field, yeah, yeah, like, like, what was it? Uh, return to your hand all cards in your graveyard that were put there from the battlefield this turn. Right. So you cast this thing, it dies, or if someone wraps the board, all of the creatures that got wrapped go back to your hand, except for him, because it has persist. And persist basically means when his creature dies, if it had a plus one, it gets a minus one, minus one counter on it, and it returns to the battlefield under its owner's control. And then if it dies with a minus one, minus one counter on it, it doesn't come back. And it's a flying vigilant 5-5. Five five. I'm not sure if I mentioned that. And angel, just in case. So basically what happens is you play this, you have a 5-5, five five. you can feel free to raft the board, all the creatures that you have that on the, that are on the battlefield or died from the raft come back to your hand. And that way, at least that way, blah, blah, blah. You have, you have to enter. Now, first you have to wrath, then you cast this, then those creatures come back. Make up your there mind, we Alan. go. Look, I'm trying to remember it. Leave me off. Leave me alone. It's been a minute since I've actually played with Twilight Shepherd. So, yeah, it's an enter the battlefield trigger. When it enters the battlefield, you, first you wrath, then everything dies. You play the Shepherd. Everything that died comes back to your hand. Shepherd's on the field. Then, if Shepherd dies again, it comes back to the field, brings everything back, back to your hand for a second go around. 
Also, it makes it good for a reanimator target because you can just reanimate it when somebody destroys things as long as you can do it at instant speed or if you have all those other reanimator effects from earlier. Fair. All right. So, Revlark, my part A little of closer it. to the mic, Will. What? A little bit closer to the mic, Will. I can't physically be any closer to the mic. If I there was any closer to the mic, I would be performing things that would be unfit for YouTube. Eat, eat that mic. All right. So, Revlark, before and away, you get a 4-3 flying elemental that... Looks like a basket of eggs with wings. So when Revlark leaves play, return up to two target creatures cards with power two or less from your graveyard to play. Bob, here's a rub. You can evoke it for six, which means that if you play it for its evoke cost, you sack it when it ends the battlefield. So you can just literally go six, get these two small guys back. Or you can just play five, let it sit out there and be like, wrap my board. Come on, wrap my board, give me some things back. But Revlark is most famously known for being paired with his partner in crime, Karmic Guide. So Karmic Guide is uh, a quirky little creature. Um, she is three colorless and double white. She is a 2-2 with flying protection from black, echo, and when Karmic Guide enters the battlefield, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. So she's quirky because echo is a cost that you'll have to pay again at the beginning of your next upkeep when after you play her. Uh, if you choose to not pay the echo cost, uh, you have to sacrifice Karmic Guide. So if you choose not to pay the echo cost on her, she's going to reanimate a creature for you, serve as a chump blocker until your next turn rolls around. You'll have to sacrifice her at the beginning of your upkeep, but you'll have that reanimated creature in play. Uh, if you're playing against uh, a player who's playing a black deck and you feel that protection from black is going to be beneficial, you can pay that uh, three colorless and double white for the echo cost and you'll have a great blocker and a great attacker. So a really versatile card. Uh, I think most people play her as a reanimation spell uh, and use her as a chump blocker, but there, she's really, really versatile and makes a, a great addition to any uh, reanimator deck. And just remember that if you want to do the shenanigans, you need some sort of sack outlet involved, something to sacrifice your karmic guide to to uh, get some extra benefit and actually kill people. Oh, so you mean like, uh, what's that, uh, Ashnod's Altar? Yeah, that could work. Or Altar of Dementia. Or Viscera oh. Seer. But yep. we're in Mono White, so we can't have Viscera Seer. No, no. Oh, oh, oh. Just, wait yeah. a second. Hold on, hold on. Wait a second. Uh, uh, what, what was that um, artifact with the um, snake? Uh, uh, the snake brood thing? The one where uh, it mills players for one card when something comes into the field. Um, trying to Altar of Oh, yeah. But that Altar doesn't sacrifice it. No, but I'm saying, like, if you happen to have that here in this particular, this is like a five-card combo, I guess, like, between Revlark, Carbon Guide, uh, a way to sacrifice Alter to Brood, and maybe, like, one other dude. Now you can basically, like, sack stuff, get it back, sack stuff, get it back, and just mill a player in mono-white. Yeah. There you go. Alternate win conditions in your mono-white reanimator deck. You could be mono-white reanimator with a splash of mill. Set to the side. Your opponents will never see it coming. <laughs> All right, then. I think we're done here. Anyone else got anything else they want to say? Uh, let's wrap this bitch up. <laughs> yeah, we're getting close to the three-hour mark, and we've got plenty of dangles. So, guys, this has been our mono, This has been our entourage for the Mono White Reanimator. Uh, if you come up with something, go ahead and send it to us. We'll go ahead and talk about it in future episodes. Until then, though, it's time for us to take it to the outro. See, 
now that we've done the mono white, I think that what we need to do is take those other four colors, um, um, all colored things and put them into the archive so we can save them for future episodes so that we can do this again for the other colors. Make it so, number one. I'm not doing it because I don't know where it goes. All right, Mr. Mark. Uh, Mark, number two. It's your go. <laughs> whoa, whoa. All right, Quick, hey, Mark, man. put it down on number four and, and put it down on number three and tell Clay to do it. <laughs> <laughs> number three. Uh, Wait, who's number three? Damn, that you be, do it. Be, don't you pass it to me? I don't have an official number yet. All right, so you're all means... red shirts, so settle down. All right, so Clay, it's your job to pass it down to Dan. Give him the account to tell him put it in. Work on it. <laughs> the what now? I don't know, Mark. <laughs> Look, man. So, this has been Command Cast episode 221. I'm going to go ahead and thank everyone for showing up today. Clay, we missed you. It's great, it's great to have you back. Yeah, it's good to be back. Calvin. Nice to have our cuddly panda. <laughs> Calvin, thank you for showing up today. Uh, no problem. You did a lot more talking tonight than I was expecting. Yeah, especially during that Eldrazi segment. But I was actually expecting just to sit back and be like the moderator for this. There was supposed to be six people here, and I was just going to sit back and try to keep control of this madness. But then, you know, things occurred. Stuff happened. Yeah, but the listeners won't find out about that, will they? Well, they'll hear me talking about this, but they won't know until when un- until they hear a dangle bit like three months from now. I'd be like, huh, well, that's won't. what happened. So they they probably, and they won't even know. So they won't know until it's too late. Dun, dun, dun. Mark, thanks for coming out tonight. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for helping me out with my deck, guys. Yeah. I said deck. <laughs> so usually the entourages are me scamming everyone to help me with the deck. This time it's Mark's turn. Yeah, yeah and I'm actually like glad that somebody other than you for a change. <laughs> <laughs> See, the entourage is no problem. It just, it just always felt like every time we did this, because William needed a new deck. <laughs> Yeah, in which case we could have just changed it from Entourage segment to William Needs a Deck. Let's help it. <laughs> also true. Hey, if, if I could, I want to throw another shout-out to Nick, man. Thanks again. I, I I know I said it before, but I will totally be uh, borrowing many, many ideas from your deck list. Yeah. And a huge shout-out to L Nut for reminding us. It's the same guy, man. It would, just be, it would just be Nick's L nuts. I would hope so. Either that or like Nick. Oh man, it would be so awesome if Nick had just like a little minion or a sidekick called L nuts. He's like L nuts. Go tweet. Hold on, wait. Hold on, wait a second. I don't get it. Wait. So L nut is must Nick. Must be Nick. It must be Nick on Twitter. Then why would well, see, he, it's, then why, then see, why did he guys, 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 guys? It's Nick the nuts. Yeah, but but no, then no, it's, no. It's, it's it's Nick L nuts. So it's literally Nick the nuts. Look, Nick's yeah. testicles learned how to tweet and operate a phone, and that's... So we're talking to Nick's nuts? I, mean, I guess so. Nick's or L nuts. Or he's trying to say Nick is the nuts. Okay, because I'm, I'm thinking, like, if that's the case, then why would he treat me, tweet me to say, tell Mark that Nick would love it if he talked about his Rhea, um, uh, Rhea deck? In which case, he could just say, tell Mark to talk about my Rhea deck I sent him. But, yeah. like, L Nuts didn't email me. I would have remembered if I get if I ever get an email from a dude named L Nuts, I will fucking remember that shit. William but. wonders if this is actually just someone talking in the third person. William does not know. William, however, wants to make sure that people know how to contact Dan. So William will ask Dan, Dan, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Dan will respond with, you can hit me up at Gmail, um, akm295 at gmail.com, to talk about all things magic and even things that are not magic. And you can look forward to hearing him again next week when we... Echo. (laughs) 
Okay, so hopefully next week, the thing that we were trying to do today will actually happen. So you can look forward to hearing Dan again. The echo. fuck is with that echo? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you look forward to hearing Dan again in the echo. Okay, so. Bill's down. Dan's taking over Commander Cast. Thanks, everybody, for what listening. Do you comment on iTunes? You came up to the second episode. Take Mutiny! 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 Dan moves fast, man. No? Okay. Quick study. So, if you want to. You know what? I kind of want to just cut it right there. So, if you want to message us here at Commander Cast, you can just fuck off. Because apparently. I, apparently, I just yeah, it's a fucking out. salty oh, will oh, episode, man. <laughs> apparently, uh, I just getting replaced by the guy who comes on like two episodes. <laughs> hey, 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 hey! Three episodes. Technically three. It's true. Technically three. <laughs> Got it. Respect, man. Respect. Okay. So, if you want to message us here at Commander Cast, be sure to check us out on the Facebook page, Man by Calvin Judd Jacob. You can also tweet us at CommanderCast or email us CommanderCast at gmail.com or check out our subreddit, our CommanderCast. Leave us a review on iTunes and we'll read off any of the five-star ones. And, eh, no. Like, come on, guys. Five stars. It's not that hard. We're not that racist. God, did I just say that? We're not that racist. Great. That doesn't really help, man. That's not. Nope. That's not helping either. No, but you it's keep... like it's like when when Clay went from white weenies to human weenies. Like you're not helping the situation. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Throw another shrimp on a barbie. You're just making it a little bit spicier. That's all you're doing. Yep. You know what? I'm. You know, you know what? You know what? Thank you guys. Just thank you all to hell because you are fantastic people. Music for our show is the XB Pepper Mill series by 3 E Rock, who is also an awesome guy. We'll see you next week with more community, strategy, and technology. Until then, let's get it. Contact no, yeah, just about saying. Like now that William's done that, now I can actually go ahead and say, <laughs> William, you never let Mark, Clay, or myself give out our contact information, which will now go into the dangly bit according to your organization. It's like the most boring dangly bits ever. So, if you want to email us in the dangly bits, <laughs> Calvin, if people want to reach you, how can they do that? Like you should email me at danglybits at gmail dot com. Um, <laughs> Alright, so if people are trying to reach out and contact me, it's easy to do. I'm Calvin. I'm also known as Captain Red Zone, so you can go over to Twitter at Captain Red Zone, or you can hit me up with an email, Gmail, at CaptainRedZone at gmail.com. Alright, if Mark, people want to send you things, content submissions, anything like that, where can they send that to? Uh, they can just send it to my Gmail. It's just mallerma at gmail.com. Mr. Commander Panda? Um, you can email me or hit me up at Twitter um, as edhpanda at gmail or just on Twitter as edhpanda. 
my girlfriend and I occasionally stream on Twitch as Pandalpaca. You can follow us on Twitter or on Tumblr to get updates on when we go live. And where can you go? They want us to check out your sweet concert. Um, that is not currently publicly on the internet. Oh. See, you gotta be in, you gotta be, uh, in Clay's inner circle of cool people. <laughs> That's VIP shit. Damn, I didn't even see that. So I, I now know where I stand I with Clay. I don't think we're actually friends on Facebook, Calvin. Yeah, I understand. See, exactly. I know where <laughs> I stand with Clay. Find me. Okay. Well, why don't, why don't you just find him? He's super easy to find. Apparently all you have to do is do Captain Red Zone. Yeah. He's <laughs> all over the internet. All over the internet. Yeah, and yeah. even, like, it would be Captain Red Zone on Hearthstone, but they don't have, they're missing a space, so it's Captain Red there, but still. Captain Red Zone. I, I was thinking about that. I was like, nah, I don't like the idea of putting the rest. I just put Captain Red. I'm like, you know what? If people are looking for me, they'll find me. They'll put Captain, they'll put Red, and I'll pop up. They're like, that's got to be him. Well, see, but see, then they'll just think that you're a guy who just really likes Red, as opposed to a guy who actually gets into the Red Zone. They'll be like, well, yeah, this, this guy, he, he says he likes Red, but I don't see any aggro here. Like, I don't see him constantly oh. just beating face. Oh, 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 when I play Hearthstone, usually, like, I, I've only, so far, the only players I've been using have been the mage that throws lightning bolts, at, that throws, like, bolts at people all the time, time, and the paladin that makes the 1-1 soldiers for free. You see, what you need to do is you need to get in contact with Chewie now and be like, hey, Chewie, let's play just a feature beginning match scene that he can put on his YouTube channel. Yeah, but, you know, no one cares a fuck about me on YouTube. Not yet, they don't. Even though I am Captain Red Zone on YouTube, too. Ain't really anything up there, but I've got it. It's there. So, gentlemen, we are a couple weeks into the fall season. Yes, we are. Which means brand new animes. Yes, they are. If it's going to turn to anime talk, I think I'm going to duck out. And then people are going to listen to this episode. (laughs) They're going to be like, oh, yeah, those guys, they've been obviously doing this for years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Fix it in post, man. Yeah. This is where Calvin earns his pay. (laughs) That whole whopping zero dollars and zero cents. That's exactly where that check goes. Oh, yeah. Next year, I'm getting double. (laughs) All right. Come on, Calvin. Who's the anonymous dolphin? All right. Oh, yeah, show notes. Who is the anonymous dolphin? I guess that'd have to be Dan, right? Am I an you're... anonymous dolphin? I thought I had a profile picture up. <laughs> I I guess you're not under uh, under Gmail, man. Hey, anonymous dolphin? That is easily the least weird creature that usually pops up on here. Oh, I had no idea. I, like, I have a, a very uh, awesome picture of me at the um one of the art museums in New York being really cool and like standing by like a poster of a really snazzy gentleman, and uh, it's it's here. I'm looking at it, but I guess it's not coming through. <laughs> I think Google Docs does a really stupid thing. So up next to all the cool little icons up there, if you click the little comment, I believe that will sign you in. Because, so, <laughs> like, somebody's an anonymous sheep now. I'm guessing that must be Calvin. Because, like, I got Clay's face, I got Will's face, and then I got an anonymous sheep and an anonymous dolphin, which is actually, really, again, really tame by Google standards. Uh, oh, you know what that – you know what I – uh, my wife's Gmail is the one that's up, which when I opened up uh, the, the Google show notes, I'm now viewing it through my wife's Gmail. So my wife is the anonymous dolphin. That's, I'm, I'm sure she'll be really proud of that. She apologizes. She's sitting in the kitchen puzzling. <laughs> and now I see anonymous sheep, which I can only assume is Calvin or something. Or rather. Does Calvin ever actually look at the show notes? 
Yeah. Maybe when he, when he has his laptop. Calvin, are you there? And oh, no, yeah. I'm not the anonymous whatever. I don't. I don't have no documents open. All right. All right. So let me check. Do I have any? Uh, William, you're echoing. Google I'm also echoing apparently. Echo. Echo. Oh, echo. Nope. nope it's gone. Oh. Echo the anonymous dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So guys, something of a of an aside. Today I found out that. The trifecta combination of arachnophobia, long hair, and not vacuuming for a couple months is a horrifying combination. <laughs> Partly because every, so I was uh, so I had to make room for the new desk that I was putting together today. So I'm moving my bed to the side, and I keep finding these little balls of hair that just kind of travel together and clump up apparently. And every time I see one, I freeze and I go, "Okay, if that act, if that moves in the next 15 seconds." I need to grab a broom and just start smashing stuff. <laughs> and even when it doesn't, and I tend to go to pick it up, I keep going, okay, is it just going to jump back at me? Yes, it is. So far, no, it hasn't. So far, they've all just been hairballs. <laughs> but it, it, you can confirm that it's they're your hairballs, right? It's not like strange <laughs> hair. No, yeah, it is definitely my hair. That would be, sure, that would be weirder. Like, I don't, like, if I don't actually clear off my hairbrush every couple of weeks, it starts looking like one of those uh, steel wool washers. That's scary. <laughs> oh, God. I've like had since fourth grade, man. All I have to do is just get a, a buzz yeah. so I don't have to worry about hairballs. <laughs> I really kind of like about. the idea of, like, William actually having, like, this random hair to just, from people that's, but not, it's not even his hair. It's just, like, random hair just in his apartment. <laughs> See, that's the funny thing is that I used to be incredibly OCD about hair back in high school. So, like, when the kid in front of me would just have, like, these weird loose hairs, I would just have the necessity to just pick them off. Now, now we're getting back that, into the territory. That, 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 I would say that is definitely weird. All right. <laughs> I mean, like, if, if I was sitting in the middle of class and the kid behind me just started at, like just started combing my hair out of nowhere, I, I, I think I'd turn around and hurt you. <laughs> That'd be quite strange. Yeah, I try to avoid petting in my classroom, and especially grooming. Yep. Uh, took me a couple of years to actually break the habit from doing it to Ashley all the time. Like every time I would just like she lives with a with a pair of Maine Coon cats, so there's already hair everywhere. You know. So she lives with small dogs, basically. That's basically what they are. Yeah. They're enormous. They, like Ajax is just like he's as long as a feather boa would be, and the only reason why we don't wear him like a feather boa is that he objects to being that wrapped around. I, I, I get the the enormous cat thing. We have a cat named Pippi, uh, my wife's cat, uh, who is literally a, a basketball with legs. She's just so fat. <laughs> like, she's so round. When she goes to lick herself, she'll, like, fall back and kind of rock back when she settles. And then she'll come in grooming herself. Oh, that's not attractive. <laughs> oh, but, so, we'll, like, we'll tell people, like, she's a Maine Coon just so she'll feel better. It's like, yeah, she's supposed to be that big. Totally. Aww. Aww. We we love we love our enormous basketball cat. What's what's good? You don't fat shame your cat, Dan. You know, dude, I, I don't feed want her that. stuff off my plate constantly. I it's my fault. I'm I'm a, like a feeder. <laughs> All right. So it, it, there were, <laughs> do you do you need to do you need to defend your cat, Lise? Okay. okay. My wife so, just wants you guys to know it is my fault. As it happens, it's like, just totally your fault that you have a fat cat. You I've show your affection for his food, man. That's I do. Know. She loves cheese. You ever meet a cat who likes cheese? It's the weirdest thing. 
Yo, that's that's, that doesn't sound good. It is actually pretty weird, and I don't <laughs> think that's actually good for the cat. No, like, uh, <laughs> a little piece, that's it. But then she'll get like pissed. She'll like sit like a dog and like stare at me like death glare until yeah. like I give her like a little piece of macaroni and cheese or something, and she she'll keep looking. She doesn't even she looks through you. You know, she sees your soul and breaks you, and then you have to feed her. You see, before, yeah. before now he died earlier this year, and we were all sad about that. But before he did, a uh, Antoine. Would just meow incessantly, and it would piss the hell out of Ashley and her mom. But I just found it hilarious every time, and I'll just keep meowing back. You gotta talk back. Yeah, and like we would have the conversation, and Ashley would just be like, "Oh my god, stop meowing!" Now, obviously, she was saying that to the cat, not me. But oh, I I I just talked to my cat about current events. Like we were talking about the Republican national debate like a couple weeks ago. She's mooing sure, and you, meowing, and you're just like, yeah, Donald Trump's hairpiece, and then she'll just, you know, chatter away. Yep. I mean, that's okay. Now, see, Ajax is awesome, because he'll actually come down to the basement and watch anime with Ashley. Hmm. I mean, I guess that's not so weird. I mean, my cat used to watch Battlestar Galactica with me. I don't know why, but like, she's scared of everything, but she was totally cool with, like, Cylons. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Like, like uh, Eric and Noel did that, uh, Let's build Mono Green Control uh, deck a while back with Polychronos. Yeah, so we could just do like an off-color, contr- like an off-color, off-color strategy. strategy. Yeah, off-color yeah. strategies. Okay, okay. off-color cast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd have to have a lot more wrestling in there. Oh, we can do it. Me and Dan are here. We can totally pull that off. <laughs> oh, I got NXT if, recaps if, that blow your mind. If that's the only thing we're missing, save it for the dangles. <laughs> Man, I heard, I was listening to Giant Bombcast this week, and uh, Dan Riker, one of the guys on there, was talking about going to WrestleMania, and he said the tickets were $2,100 for, for three days. Oh. Now, and that doesn't include airfare, but you what? do get to keep your folding chair. Wait, really? Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Like, you apparently that's part of the deal. When you go to Wow. Yeah. I think you have good enough seats. It's totally worth it, because it's, it's one of those things that every wrestling fan should do. But you only need to do it once because wrestling's hard enough to watch in a stadium when you don't have like a good seat and the announcers. So mm-hmm. unless you're like the first like twenty rows in a show, you can't see anything, you can't hear anything. And in WrestleMania, it's like a hundred thousand people stadium. So if you're in the nosebleeds, you there's no point. Why would you watching up? shit? Yeah, good point. But you're gonna pay but, like three yeah. grand for like. Like what was it? Even like uh, here in New Jersey, like the some of the shows come here to the Prudential Center here in Newark. And the Prudential Center isn't like, it ain't, it's not like a real small venue. It's a fairly decent size. I put like at least medium. They've held a raw there once. They've done a few smackdowns there. But even there, like being in like the nosebleed section, it's like, man, I'm close enough where I can see what's going on, but not close enough to care. <laughs> yeah. If you're not within yelling distance of the ring to tell the ref he's doing a crappy job, it's not worth going. <laughs> especially like if you're going to like a like especially like with something like WrestleMania or SummerSlam or one of like the major pay per view events because those are usually held in like giant stadiums or whatever the case may be and and quite frankly once you get to a certain distance it's like you're basically watching the big Titantron in the background anyway. Yep. In which case you basically pay like hundreds of dollars to get into this major event to get a folding chair and then watch the TV. Yeah, that's probably not great. Did uh, you get a folding chair? So you do get the folding chair though, so that's that does help. Huh. My favorite part about the folding chair story was uh, 
how he said the day afterwards, UPS and FedEx are all mobbed with people trying to ship folding chairs home. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, that's awesome, man. (laughs) I would just love to airline would not let me take this chair on with me. (laughs) Well, you can't just leave it, right? Like, shit, man, if I went to WrestleMania, I'm taking that goddamn chair home. But, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I did not get as much chance to prepare for this because I would have liked to. Because don't, because I've been just scrambling to get everything in order for next month. What's next month? So remember how I told you I was doing that uh that Weiss Schwartz tournament last weekend? Very good, that's right. Okay. So they had four. Uh, so there were four invitations to be one at that tournament, and I got one of them. So I'm going to Weiss Schwartz Nationals in New York next month. New York. Tonku jungle where dreams is made of. Ignore me. <laughs> Let's see. Right, live next to it. Really, it's not much of a stop. Um, so right I now, live near New York, too. It's, that's, that's one of the beauties of being in New Jersey. Is that you're not in New York? <laughs> That's like it's when New Jersey pisses you off. You have the option to leave and go to New York. Yeah, I'm in Jersey City, so it's it's a, a hop, skip, and a jump. Like it's at our fingertips. We work in the city, so like every Friday, we're like, you want to do one of the amazing things in the city? And at the end of the day, we're looking at it just like, no, screw this. I want to go home, put pajamas on, and watch Netflix. <laughs> want to do this? Let's do this. Case like so. Don't mind me, just putting up some alternative commanders for a mono-white reanimator deck. It's understandable. If it makes you feel any better, William, one, I have no preparation for this for this week at all. Uh, same, actually. <laughs> yeah, see, and that makes me feel better, because I, I was, like I said, that was pretty much my week. So this, it's, this is the sound of more show notes. It's like my my thing now. I have too many show notes. Okay, I was able to find one, two, three, four possible alternative commanders to put Mark to Magenta the Lion. Sounds good. Actually, you know what? Um, I need a judgment call on this one, guys. Uh, a listener named Nick literally like five hours ago had sent me an email with his list for um uh for it wasn't Magenta the Lion. It was actually a Raya deck, but it was a mono white reanimator deck. So I thought I was going to throw in some of his suggestions just because I like I like his deck, although he has more of like a spell shaper theme to it. But I dig that too. No, that's more, definitely one of the things we can talk about. Cool. <laughs> what was it? Because our shows usually run about about two hours. The one on Tuesday between you and Mark, that one usually runs somewhere about like somewhere between half an hour to an hour, depending on what's going on with Mark and who he's interviewing. Yeah, if he's interviewing me, that's I'm talking. <laughs> Yeah, the interviews me is like only thirty minutes. The interviews Aaron, they go into like an hour and a half rant. Hey, and we did we did double team Ward one time, so that took a little while. So, but if it if it makes you feel any better, I could have cut a lot of that out. But I chose to leave it there. I missed it. I almost sprayed ramen all over my monitor. Yeah, I could have phrased it another way. I didn't. Ward, you know I love you, man. Not like that, but, you know. <laughs> Don't die like now. I had, so it's like I had a choice in the matter of saying what I said. I said exactly what I meant. So, yes, I did. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and get us started before I lose any more Bye. of my cheap dinner. Okay. Hey, man, my wife makes a mean chicken salad sandwich, you know? It's that fine line, though, when chicken salad is on a sandwich, because it can get too soggy. And then you had a sandwich, 
And then if it sits too long, you have just a tube of bush. You know what's unfortunate? Yeah. Chicken salad is just kind of one of those foods that it's one of those you kind of have to make it at home because it's not something you really want to go out to get. Because what? Because you don't trust the chicken or the salad at other places. Something like that. Also, like I, I just can't think of any places that would actually selling chicken salad. The only place I can think of would be a Subway, but they don't do that. They do chicken salad. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> and the only thing I can think of is like if it had a chicken salad, it had to be like uh one of those kind of things that you like get like custom made at a restaurant. I mean, like I guess maybe the local deli would have one. Have yeah. some. Like, I guess they sell containers of potato salad. It's not too much of a stretch to imagine that they would have chicken salad, too. Mm. But at the same time, grocery store chicken salad. Sounds kind of gross. the grocery store. No, yeah, that's true. There's a grocery store by me that does a mean sushi, Mm. which is weird, because, like, grocery store sushi is usually, like, the kiss of death. But they actually do a pretty good one. You see, that one I find hard to believe, just because... It's tough, man. Yeah. Like, like, grocery stores sell the blandest of sushis. I don't I know. know. Grocery, grocery store sushi is like playing Russian roulette with bowels. <laughs> I mean, it's no egg salad sandwich out of a truck stop. Another uh, Futurama joke. This is this no. is this is picking up steam. <laughs> it's true. I was gonna say it's no uh, gas station fried chicken, uh, which I have been known to do in the past. I'm not oh, proud. Oh, but yeah, I'm, I'm not proud of it. I'm amazed you're still alive. Yeah, sometimes you know, sometimes you gotta roll the dice, man. What the fuck? Whatever sometimes doesn't kill you, you makes do you... things that you don't want to do in order to survive when you're out on the road. <laughs> Code lonely out here sometimes. <laughs> you gotta stop at the gas station. That's your bread and butter. That's what you eat. Well, at least you have chicken. Well, at least you have chicken. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and get this started. <clears throat> oh, before we go. Dan, just to explain what the queue system is, uh, where is it? Where's Skype at? There you go. Click. All right. Uh, you see, do you have the chat box pulled up, Dan? I do. All right. You see that queue I just put up there, Dan? I do. All right. So what would basically happen is, is that if William happens to ask a question or someone's on a topic and you have something you want to say, you type a queue and you put it in there like that. In which case, once I'm done talking, the next person who has the queue after me is the person who then has priority in the next point in the conversation. So when I shut up, it'll be William. Got it. Okay. But Easy first, the, the first, you, you just, you you just skip, you skip them. You talk your turn. Yeah. Yeah. See, this is where you got to know your place in the queue. And now, and now William has the queue. So go ahead. See what you're going to say, Will. So I was going to say, but don't worry about any, about needing to jump in like right away after someone has said something because there will be like a, just the silence and then truncate silence will automatically take that out. So it actually sounds like a very natural conversation. So that space right there doesn't exist anymore because it's been truncated via silence. Now you're getting it. I'm with you. Okay. So if you happen to have something you want to say or, like, if someone's going on about something particular, just put a lowercase q in there to just say you want to get in on this conversation. If it's something, like, really important, like, you have, like, something that's on your mind, you're going to lose it, just put, like, a capital Q or type something behind it that says that, like, you don't want to lose this thought. And, you know, then you just have the floor right afterwards. And that's basically it. Sounds good. So I just had to queue up because I keep hitting my elbow on the side of my new desk, and I don't know how, how sore the elbow's going to be. I just felt the need to say that. And now William's abusing the queue system. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. So let's go ahead and pick up where we left off. The only reason I get to go to New York for Nationals next month is because I'm splitting a hotel room with, like, four other people. 
So which part of New York are you going to? Um, New York, like the city, or is it like another, or is it just New York and the state, but it's like a different location? I don't actually know. Let me check some. I know it's being hosted by Hammer Girl Anime. Okay, it's in Rochester. Oh, yeah, that's way upstate. That's way upstate. Never mind. Because if it was going to be like in New York, New York, then I might have actually been like, you know, hey, if he's going to be in New York, might as well just run out there, do a quick photo op with Will, take pictures. Holding up the wrong cards and everything. Talking about like our brand new commanders and get a game in and then leave. Oh, but no, now William's going like far out there. So sorry, buddy. Ah, uh, I was looking forward to that. Make sure you get a garbage plate, Rochester. A what? A garbage, garbage plate. A what? Rochester staple. I'm assuming yeah. this is food we're talking about. Oh yeah, it's 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 what people in Rochester call. In what sense <laughs> of the word? Um, uh, it's, it's like a, it's like a delicacy. It's like a bunch of stuff, um, on your plate. It's like a mess. It's just like all the food piled on one plate. Potatoes, and like, like meat, eggs. Okay, okay you had me. I mean, like, you, you can just, like, Google it. You'll, you'll see all sorts of different, like, interpretations of Rochester hot plate. But it's usually just all the food in a pile on a plate. Why won't you ship? Right, so. I, I ordered this thing on two-day air delivery from FedEx. What the hell? Yeah, but it's in Hawaii, man. Yeah, you're on the other side, so it's kind of difficult. Now, here's something, gentlemen, that I kind of wanted to bring up That now that someone's actually said it. My wife actually tells me that because um, she was out looking uh, at a place to try to do her externship at recently, and one of and long story short, her and the lady got to a basically a, a little bit of an argument, and the lady told her to Google it. Now, I've come to the realization that my wife thinks that Google it is an insult. <laughs> what? I, what? Huh? <laughs> you know what? I could I could kind of see that, depending on the context that it's used. If you're in an argument with somebody and you clearly don't know what they're talking about, and they get on a pedestal and they so they go just Google it, you're not worth my time to explain it to. Like that would make me kind of salty. But I, I guess it oh it depends entirely on the context. Yeah, I would say, like, the tone yeah. sounds condescending as hell. I don't know if the, the term is, but maybe, who knows? I mean, I tell my students to Google it all the time. Maybe I'm just being a condescending <laughs> dick. Because <laughs> <laughs> right, the thing is, like, when she, as soon as she said, like, you know, she, I can't believe, like, I, like, what was it, like, and then after that, she told me to Google it. And I was like, what? Seems like a valid answer to your problem. <laughs> oh, you're <laughs> like, you done fucked up right there. <laughs> nope. See, that's why things have been so hard for him lately. He tells his wife to Google it. <laughs> she still refuses to. Ooh, oh, that was garbage. The red hot garbage plate. That just looks like scrapple in the middle there. I don't know. It's just stuff. It's a pile of stuff. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not adverse to a pile of stuff. So no, I'm I'm I'm, I'm all over. It. Sound it, it's great for the listeners who have no idea what we're talking about. It's the garbage plate over in Rochester that they serve, and it's usually a combination of like burgers, meat, uh, red hots, or White hots, which are like different kinds of hot dogs, like chicken tenders, whatever. Just like pick your meat, grilled cheese, eggs, whatever, and then home fries, and baked beans, and macaroni salad. It's all on top of that, with like mustard and onions and hot sauce and like just weird stuff. And if you're one of those people who doesn't like their food touching, this is not for you. Oh, oh Jesus, dear this must be somebody's like fucking, look, this must be somebody's nightmare who doesn't like that. You imagine just some poor bastard like separating that out <laughs> for like an hour. If you I wanted to mess with your kid, like, you know, sometimes when you're little, you, you don't want your, your stuff mixing. You, you take, you know, your five-year-old to a place that serves a garbage plate, get them that, and just watch their little mind just, like, unravels. They can't unmove the thing. It's touching, can't, you know, and they just 
for a little bit. Just kind of spaz out and start, like, twitching. It's good shit. Yeah, just short circuit. Mm, I'm good with that. Alright, then. <laughs> so. Okay, now hey. it's time for me to give you my, um, stoner, like, um, my stoner story or idea that came to me the other day. Sweet. I was walk, I was walking out of the street with one of my friends and the postal service delivery person happened to walk past and it was a female. And I looked at my friend and I was like, dude, can I call her the mailman? Because I don't think that's PC anymore. And then he was like, nah, you, so it wouldn't be the male man. You would just call her the male woman. Like, no, nah, but that wouldn't be PC either because, you know, I'm still calling her a male. You know, like, granted, it's spelled differently when I write it, but spoken verbally, it's like I'm calling her, like, uh, Caitlyn Jenner. She was a male. Now she's a woman. She's a male woman. Yep. And then it's like, and it's like, no, well, how's about we go with post person? Like, how, how's it go with a uh, male person? I was like, no, cause male is still in there. We have to go with post. And he was like, all right, then what about we call her a post person? I was like, no, because then post kind of means after. So it's like, it was a person before, but now it's not. That could be offensive. It's true. And you don't want to offend the zombie constituency. Right. So, so then we tried to the rabbit hole. So then we tried to figure out what would be the proper term for the individual who happens to bring us the letter-shaped envelopes that come that hold had, that hold bills inside of them. Isn't it just so parcel carrier? Postal carrier. Parcel carrier. Parcel carrier. I think that's like isn't that a job title at FedEx or something? I don't know. See, that's At this thing, point, like, like someone has the fucking munchies in this story. At some point, <laughs> I don't know if it's you, if it's me. I don't know, man. But like, somebody's about to bust open the bag of Funyuns and go to fucking town. That's all I'm saying. Well, like after this discussion had occurred, I was like, man, this just seems like we really overthought this. And like, <laughs> part of me was like, you know. Like, on one side, part of me was embarrassed because I couldn't come up with a term. But on the other side, I'm actually kind of glad I didn't come up with one because then I'd have been like, how PC would I have to be to go through, like, 12 different terms just to find the right thing to say to the fucking mailman? Postal worker, man. Postal worker. Good. Isn't that, like, the isn't that the correct term? I mean, like, I don't work I, I, in the post I, office, I, but... I don't know. I, like, I don't know, I, man. I don't work... That's the thing. Like, like, by, like, by the time we had a chance to, like... Before either one of us would have came to the term of postal worker, the the mail lady was gone. Like, by like <laughs> oh, the mail lady is oh, that was, that was way gone, man. Yeah, like like, like the, the the bill came. We didn't open the envelope. Went upstairs, started making a sandwich. It, like that discussion went on way longer. She was probably like halfway home by the time I would have turned around to be like, "Thank you, postal worker." Yep. Yeah, that was good. That's like when, uh, I can't remember the two, it's Badger and somebody else on, um, Breaking Bad. It's my two favorite characters, man. Everybody else in that show, total unrepentant asshole. But Badger and his buddy, like, I don't think it's like Slim Pete or something, whenever they start getting into an argument about, like, Babylon 5 or something, like, whenever, whenever, you know, Jesse's dealing with, like, having shot a kid or something, and they were like, no, man, Captain Picard would never do that shit. I fucking love Badger. It's awesome. Sorry. Separate topic. Hey, 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 that's perfectly fine. I, I personally love those guys. And since I, uh, we're basically the one, like, I don't know why, it seems like almost every ep- every episode that we do now, we end up talking about a show of some form or another. <laughs> and I'm actually weird. kind of glad it's slowly rotating away from anime. Not to say that I have an issue with anime, but I still haven't finished season nine of One Piece. I haven't had the free time. Oh man, I I have this is this might totally not apply to anyone out there, but I am a wicked comic book nerd and I always have been. I found the best new podcast I'm like addicted to. It's called Rachel and Miles Explain the X Men because I'm a huge X Men fan from like way back in the day. And they li- they literally start at like X Men number one and they go all the way through. 
right, so I'm gonna have to listen to that now. That Thank thing you, is Mark. fucking amazing. It, I'm not like it's it's awesome. Yeah. It's just Rachel where, Miles explaining the X Men. Where, where where do you find it at? Is it on iTunes? Is yeah, Stitcher? just find it on iTunes. Just do um. I mean, I'm sure they have a web. I think they have a website for it too because they sell like buttons and T-shirts and shit. I but I mean, at least they think they do. Uh, I don't know if they I still hope do. They have a website point. because I can't access iTunes. Oh yeah, they should have it. I mean, I think it's on like SoundCloud and stuff too. Let me check it out. I don't know. But I've been, you know. If you get that link, throw it into the show notes. I'll be listening to that. There we go. But now that we're discussing X-Men, uh, have you heard the recent rumor about what's going on with uh, Marvel and the X-Men? Oh, wait. Other I don't know. Than, um, just... Hugh Jackman wanting to be done with Wolverine? Like, I, know, no. I, know, I knew about that, but. Nope, that's not it. The current rumor is, is that Marvel has officially gotten the Fantastic Four back so they can be able to do their movies with them now. Hmm. But the exchange that they did was they allowed this that they gave up the rights to the X Men for TV shows and like and lower productions and stuff like that to Sony. Hmm. And now Sony Entry. plans on taking so and, to, and now Sony plans on taking that inform taking that right and that copyright to make two new X Men based TV shows. One is the Hell is on Hellfire, and the other one is Legion. Oh, I did hear that. I thought you were talking about the thing where apparently, was it Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are going to have to be Inhumans in uh, in the new Avengers timeline because you can't even say the word mutant in a like a non Sony picture anymore because right. they own the rights. Yeah, and in the comic books, they're basically killing all the mutants and getting rid of the X Men and stuff slowly but surely. Remember, like I mean, a few months ago, when they got rid of the Fantastic Four because they realized they would probably never get a chance to make the movies and stuff for us. So they was going to just kill off the characters. I'm good with that. But now they're basically doing that to the whole like mutant universe for Marvel. <laughs> man, they can't do that. The X Men, man. Eventually, they're going to get it back. I don't know. I'm such a huge X Men nerd. I just I don't hey, know. hey, hey, it's hey. Remember, one, it's comic books. If they kill them, they can always find a reason to bring them back. Two, in the new Marvel Universe, they're not mutants, they're inhumans. They're basically like aliens or whatever. Yeah, but there's and too many X-Men to kill off, man. There are only four members of the Fantastic Four. Like, no, there are literally <laughs> hundreds of fucking X-Men. There are X-Men all but, over the goddamn place. Yeah, but the th- but that's the thing. Marvel basically decided... They were planning on doing this anyway because they got themselves... They wrote themselves into a corner with the mutants. Because any time that they had a plot twist or they wrote themselves into a point where, like, oh, man, we can't figure out a way to get the X-Men out of this predicament. Oh, I know. We'll just introduce a new mutant that has a new power, and that new power can get them out of this. But they did that trick so often that they just flooded their comics with so many mutants that the X-Men and the mutations and the mutants basically just became a totally separate entity onto themselves. See, I thought they were going to do, like, some kind of retro weird thing. I don't know, like, Marvel had that season one thing going on for a little while. I didn't know this was a thing until I listened to Rachel Miles explain the X-Men. But, um, like, they do, it must be a couple years old now, but I picked up X-Men season one. It's a really good graphic novel. It's, like, self-contained, which is nice, because I don't really have time for big, sprawling fucking epics anymore. Um, But season one is cool, because it's kind of, like, written... From, it was well, written from my Marvel Girl, from Jean Grey's perspective, and it's it's updated to like imagine if you know Professor Xavier just plucked those five original X Men out of like high school today and put them in a school, then that's how mm-hmm. it's written. It's pretty sweet. So I highly recommend that one. 
But I personally actually kind of like the uh, well, the thing is they already did what they could to try to like get rid of the mutants before when they had the um, storyline of no more no more mutants where the Scarlet Witch basically like got rid of pretty much everybody except for like a handful of mutants so they could just be able to keep them to a minimum. Did she but like now rewrite reality or something? Yeah, that's House yeah, of M. It's, it's, yeah, I think yeah, so. I don't know, House of M confused the fuck out of me. Uh, basically, Scarlet Witch had used her powers to rewrite the entire reality, and everybody forgot who they were in this particular, in their reality, and became, like, new individuals somewhere else, new lives. Everybody's happy and tried to give everybody the perfect life, and, like, a handful of people were able to survive it and got through with still memories from the previous reality and wanted to set everything back because they knew this wasn't the way things were supposed to be. They woke up enough people. Scarlet Witch snaps and just says, you know what the hell with it? I tried to make everybody happy. Fuck everyone. No more mutants. And just went back to the actual, like, Marvel Universe that everybody knows and loves, but eradicated all the mutants except for... What was it? There was like three, it was like, it was like a handful. So it's like, let's just say estimate there was 3,000 mutants. She eradicated and put it down to like 30. That's more doable. You know, I mean, right. a lot of those dudes, come on, like how many multiple mans do you really need hanging out? You know? Yeah. And now the thing is that I was down to those 30 and Marvel still can't use the X-Men even with those 30. So now there's like probably going to, they're most likely going to, they've already quote killed Wolverine. They've already gotten rid of most of the major X-Men so they're probably, and they just did their big um, universe collide thing, where the Ultimate Universe and the Marvel Universe collided into each other. So they took characters from the Ultimate Universe, like uh, Miles Moranis and Peter Parker from the regular Marvel Universe, and now they're all living in the same universe, but there's far less mutants because they didn't survive the calamity. See, this is why I need a podcast to explain this shit to me. Because, like, we need several seasons of a podcast to explain this shit to me. <laughs> this is just nerd soap opera at this point. I'm totally fine with this. As long as we all acknowledge it's nerd soap opera. And it's never going to make sense. But it's still kind of so, awesome. Now I have one question. How does this feel for you, Dan? I mean, last time we had you on, we were talking, like, sports and baseballs and footballs and stuff and talking about all of those things. Now we're actually getting more into, like, the nitty-gritty of what Commander Cash really is behind the scenes. Just nerds being nerds. <laughs> Oh, I'm with you 100%, man. I am the, the biggest Punisher fanboy you're going to ever find. Um, I just, I love me some Frank Castle. Um, I, I've, I've actively converted his, friends uh, of mine movie to... with her, with, um, him and Black Widow. What's that? Did you see the, uh, Avengers movie with him and Black uh, Widow, the animated one on Netflix? No, I did not. I didn't even know that was uh, it. If you get a chance to go, do you, you have Netflix? I do. Uh, if you get a chance to go to Netflix, Google Avengers that'll show up. It basically got all the Avengers on the cover, but it's pretty much a story where, uh, him, where Frank Castle and Scarlet and Black Witch basically team up and they become this kick-ass like buddy cop <laughs> pairing. It's you know, pretty- I, I, I'll give it a shot. I'm I'm a big fan of like the really dark and gritty Garth Ennis written Punisher. Like, mm-hmm. Welcome Back, Frank is for me like my the, like the Punisher magnum opus. Um, I just I, I, it's it's gritty, it's dark, it's you know it's dark and dirty justice and. Uh, I, I just, there's just, there's a lot of, surprisingly, there's a lot of wrinkles to the Frank Castle character, and it's really interesting to see what all the different writers do with him. Like, uh, the, the, there was, uh, during, I think it was during the, the Marvel Zombies, they had him, you know, turned into, I don't know, I'm confusing it with something else, but they do have a Frankenstein Punisher crossover, where <laughs> it's like Frankenstein Punisher. Um, oh okay. my god. I, all right. I, I mean, I mean, it's I mean, not like, Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. 
No. No. But no, that'd be wait, silly. Wait, wait, pause. Bring that back. What did you just say, Will? I said it's not Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. That's a thing. That's actually happening. Did I miss this? Hold on. Am I am I missing something here? It was, was a comic. Frankencastle. Yeah. Uh, I need to go find this now. Oh, also, don't forget, um, they've been doing some amazing shit with Archie lately. I ha- I highly recommend um, Archie and Wrong the comment. Predator. Wrong so. <laughs> Come on, man, Archie and the Predator. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's a thing. Wait, wait, wait is, is it really a thing, or am I going to spend all night Googling this? And no, it's real. I'm telling you, it's a fucking thing. I'll drop a link, man. It's, all right, it's guys. pretty good. Let's, I'm going to go grab my deck real quick, and I'll be right Please. back. Wait, we deck? That? deck? You said deck, right? You said deck? <laughs> yeah. You said, please, please, please hold on. say deck. Wait, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Future Calvin, play that back. <laughs> like ten times. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go grab my deck real quick. I'm going to go grab my deck real quick. I'm going to go grab my deck real quick. I'm going to go grab my deck real quick. I'm going to go grab my deck real quick. <laughs> All right. Okay, so... That just just for clarification to make sure we knew exactly what he said right there. <laughs> said deck. He said deck. We think he said deck. I'm said pretty deck. sure he meant to say deck. I'm not I, sure if deck is actually what came out. I truly hope. I hope beyond hope All that right. he said. <laughs> I got both my decks. Okay, deck plural. Wait, Unless he's a kidna. Unless he's in the kidna. In which case, predator is the shit. All right, let me check this out. It's pretty good, man. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, was, I was a big fan of the Batman and Alien crossovers and the Batman and Predator crossovers. I thought those were great, but now Predator I mean, and Archie? This is, this is. I mean, it's totally what you think it is, but it's like, you know, like, hey, we're just going to go on, like, we're going to go to, like, a little, like, a, like I think that the, the premise is they, they get, like, cruise tickets or something. So, you know, it's Ar- Archie and Veronica and Jughead and the whole gang. And, you know, what? They Wait, can, I, can, get, I just read, can I read the, uh, like, the Verso copy for Archie vs. Predator number one? It's good stuff. America's favorite teen meets the galaxy's fiercest hunter. Archie and friends hit Costa Rica for spring break, where party games and beach games are soon replaced by the most dangerous game. What mysterious attraction does the gang hold for the trophy-collecting predator? And will the kids even realize they're in danger before it claims them all? I, I Not only do I need to own that, I need to make sure that one is preserved for all time. Dude, I'm telling you, man, Archie's acting like Archie. There's like Archie zombies recently. They rebooted Archie. Like Archie's been do like subversively. Archie has become cool again. Don't don't ask me how that fucking happened. I don't know. Like might be a sign of the apocalypse, but whatever. Okay, Go I, pick up Archie versus Predator. I just, I, 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 but real, but in all honesty, I personally will still have to say I think Archie can take the Predator. Okay, let's see. Uh, I'm I'm looking at the preview pages. I mean, they made a comic that was actually just literally Godzilla versus Barkley. Yeah, but that's a valid that was discussion because after- Mars Barkley is fucking mess. They had Superman versus Terminator, like you do. Okay, let's see what else is there. Like I but, used to, yeah. I used to love watching Lee Carr do his reviews, and there are so many bizarre crossovers that I shouldn't be faced by this. They have a whole, um, apparently a whole subsection of Archie horror comics. I shouldn't be surprised. But see, right. the thing for that is, is like I can actually deal with. I, I, like I said, I still think that Archie can take the Predator. And my main argument for that is, is because Danny Glover has taken the Predator. And as far as I can remember, <laughs> way back, dating as far back as I can remember, Danny Glover has literally always been too old for this shit. So if sure. Grandpa can take you out, then I'm pretty sure that Archie has a fighting chance of dealing with you just as well. 
Now, in theory, in theory, that works. But the reality is even old-ass Danny Glover was the baddest cop in L.A. in Predator 2. Like, he was the baddest man on the planet. Like, don't get me wrong. Danny Glover is pretty badass. But in the same token, every like, can anybody mention a movie where Danny Glover wasn't, like, three days away from retirement? Hmm. He always says he's too old for this. He always feels like he's about to reach every every movie that I can think of. I, like I googled this. I actually went to try <laughs> to see if I could find a young photo of Danny Glover. Not one in existence. I could not find a single picture of Danny Glover. In fact, the more I went down, the older he got. All right, so let's go ahead and actually record a commander podcast now. So wait, can, we, can, can you actually reanimate Danny Glover in a mono white reanimator deck? Because We're about so- to find out, so sit down. <laughs> All right. All right, so enough of this nonsense. You know, I'm still trying to figure out who on the next generation set would be number four. I think Data's number three. I could deal with Data. I could be Data. I think four is Jordy. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I've been watching a shit ton of this lately. There, there I'm was pretty a, sure there was an episode where maybe Worf. Well, remember there was an episode where uh, the alternate timeline first security officer went back to current timeline, got captured by uh, Romulans. Yeah, ended up having a uh, end up getting taken as a prisoner. Ended up having a kid. That kid grew up. Then became a villain. To, to be played by the same actress. <laughs> Yes. And yeah. they ended up having to they spread out the the Enterprise's main crew among other to captain other ships. And I think they were using Jordy as Riker's number one and Data got his own ship <laughs> after asking Picard. But, okay, so never mind, that, that answers that question I was gonna ask. Because I was gonna say like so if we're talking alternate timelines, if number one from an alternate timeline showed up, what happens to the un- what happens to number two at that point? Does he automatically become number three? Because there's two ones fighting number for one, the top quarter and two spots. I'm number one, and I'm number one, and that's number three. The most important question is, does he have the beard or not? Because the show ain't even want, worth watching if the dude ain't got a beard. That's all I'm saying. That's the gospel right there. Yeah, man. Riker with beard. That's it. I tried growing the Riker beard once. Ashley declared that she would never kiss me again as long as I had any sort of facial hair. That's harsh, man. Ouch. Hey. Woman it would, would suck if you have really good facial hair too, like like competition level whiskers. No, I, that I, would I, be a burden. No, I'm Hispanic. I don't get good facial hair. That's racist. Not, not if it's true. Still racist. All right, so let's go ahead and do, take care of this. Mm. So this is big. You on a racist cast? <laughs> William just goes off on everybody. No more five star reviews for us. Is it racist if you go off on everybody, or is that considered equality? Actually, I'm pretty I, sure you're still racist. No. Like, no. Uh, no, it can't be racist if you hate everyone equally. There you go. Yeah, that makes you a Nazi. So no, I think I think we're, we're, I think we're back around. <laughs> okay, uh, so Mark loses because he's the first one to mention Nazis. Let's just move along here. All right. So I need to make sure I get to bed soon-ish, by which I mean I'm just going to end up watching History of Power Rangers tonight. So I'm, I'm going to go watch Drunk History. I'm going to – I don't know what I'm going to do. I have to. Does it involve drinking or history? <laughs> uh, neither. Uh, you're ruining it. Mark, please, tell me you're reading a book, history, a story, or something. 
Uh, I'm reading like old back issues of X-Men till I pass out and or my there wife makes fun of me. So, 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 so Mark's going to go listen to, uh, historical documents on a podcast about comics. William is going to go do his historical thing. I'm going to go watch some people get drunk and talk about history. Dan, what are you doing with history? Um, I'm actually reading historical, fi- uh, historical fiction. Uh, Mark Lawrence's new book, The Liar's Key is what I'm currently reading. And it's the second book in his second trilogy. And it's awesome. You should read it. And it's fake history. It's really good. And it's fantasy. It's, it's great. Just go on Goodreads, look up Mark Lawrence, and you will not be disappointed. There you go. Come on, Clay. Give me something. Um, if, okay, if I end up playing... Okay, um, we just got new patch notes for a Splatoon update for tomorrow, and a lot of shit is changing. So tonight is going to be the last bit of history playing under these current conditions. There you right. go. Oh my so, god, I can't, I need to go green light, I need to go give my thumbs up to green light the Ruby game on Steam. <laughs> Good, so now all of us, after the show's over, are all going to get involved in something historical, and the listeners are going to know about it, because by the time they hear this, this will be history, because it'll be new to them, but it'll be history to us, because we're getting the hell out of here.